Where's my title shot? Where's my title shot? Where's my title shot? Hey, they're playing the title shot. Done. I love that. Reminds me of a title shot. Hello everyone and welcome to the Attitude Era podcast, episode number 19, and dick 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 diggity, dick diggity dog, it's no mercy, 1999. Hello everyone, once again I'm Kevin Mahan, joined as always in this review of the Attitude Era by my cohorts, comrades and colleagues. First of all, Mr. Adam Bibolo. Hello, Adam. A good day and a glargay to you there, Kevin. How's it going? This is your second No Mercy 1999. Uh, yeah. Give me more. One seconds. Feed me more. If you remember in the original No Mercy episode, we had a lot of No Mercy. Like Shane McMahon promised there would be No Mercy for every person on the card. And, and what an evil, diabolical group led by Shane McMahon. <laughs> yeah, so little did I know we were getting a second serving of No Mercy for our dinner tonight. To, to, to be fairness, we can call it off the bat. They do not say No Mercy. No, nope, they they don't make any reference to they, it. They say it once. I think Bulldog says it at one point. And that's the only point. In don't, the don't, yeah, they, they don't, they don't really. Would, they? they don't really get into it. It's not. It's not the gimmick like it was. And there's also no Shane McMahon tonight. No, so. that's true. A different beast. But you are looking forward to this. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm gonna level with you guys straight off the bat here. That there is no grunt of the night tonight. I want to get that out in the Whoa. open right now. I don't want you sat at home listening for like an hour and a half and then thinking, oh, it's going to be in the next match for sure. Like, there is no grunt of the night. No Vince Russo, no grunt of the night. Why even listen to the show? I know, you just turn off now. Yeah. (laughs) And to my right, unquestionably the baddest man on the planet, Mr. Billy Keeble. Hello, Billy. Hello. You know, we're going through uh, some serious changes right here. This is like the wonder years when the main guy's voice broke, essentially. This is like big changes here on the Attitude Era. You can definitely feel change. Change in the air, isn't Changes it? in the air. There was something I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> Changes in the air. Well, as you can know to tell from my voice, um, I am wearing Zuba's pants. Yes. <laughs> We've just got to say it right now. Um, to, to call it an odyssey I've been on for the last, you know, 10 to 15 years of my life, mm. I have been trying to get Zuba's, and they were just not available in this in this fair country of, of the United Kingdom or in Ireland either just they would not Zubas would not ship here the, the road warriors made it very set of very specific rules and regulations for their Zubas <laughs> pants James T. Fogarty and his fine lady sent me over a pair of these from New York City and I'm now wearing without question the baddest pants on the planet. Well, is, is this a thing with you as well? Wrestling pants. You just, yeah. Whenever you see someone in a comfy, wear, yeah. a comfy pair I'm glad of pants, you can relate to this, Billy. Yeah, it happens say, all the time. Just, you're, I think your term phrase is just for around the house. Like. Well, have you examples of this? Be... Well, yeah, no. It, for example, if we're watching the Royal Rumble or something, there could be easily six or seven guys in there wearing <laughs> nice pants. Like Tajiri will come out and you just go, oh man, I really want a pair of Tajiri's pants just for around the house. Like. Sabu's pants. Sabu's pants. Sabu definitely. comes out, oh mate, I just want some Sabu's pants just for around the house. They're forlorn. Like. Most of the time, though. I mean, Blackman's pants are another. I mean, they're just they're, around the house. Just around the house. But I do have a pair of Zuba's pants. So if they, right now, so if the guys like, if it sounds like they're distracted, it's because my pants are so loud. They're really fucking vibrant. And like. there ain't a volume switch on these bad boys. Let me tell you. <laughs> but uh, thanks very much, James, for for sending me a pair of Zuba's. I'm never taking them off for the rest of my life. 
while I'm within the house. I mean, obviously <laughs> I'm not stupid. But yeah, it's time for some massive changes on board. We've no more Vince Russo. Steve Austin's on his way out, as is Jeff Jarrett. Who's writing this damn thing? It's No Mercy 1999. The attack was deliberately planned. I crippled the rattlesnake. The attack has caused severe damage. Steve Austin will never be the same again. Hostilities. Unspeakable atrocities fuel the champion. The attack is terror, wreaking havoc on the World Wrestling Federation. The attack exhibiting no pity, no compassion, no benevolence. The facts speak for themselves. His objective is clear. Whatever the cost and agony may be. Stone Cold will wage a war until the battle is won. This form of treachery shall never again be dangerous. Alrighty, opener. Fucking hell, I'll tell you right off the bat, Triple H comes off as a badass in this thing. He comes off as Satan in this thing. At about dang time as well. I mean, we noticed before, I think, we were talking Rebellion, that it's kind of like peacetime in WWF to an extent, because all all the big baddies are gone, but now Triple H has stepped up into that role of Satan himself. Yeah, he is the ultimate villain now, which is good. It's an interesting promo, because normally when you get the promos from the Attitude Era, there's the two sides to the promos. It is a war, but it's between these two guys. This promo is, there is a war, and his name is Triple H. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't mention, doesn't mention the other side of the war. Like, Triple H is a one-man war. Yeah, he's a right nasty bastard. Um, I, do like, I do like this promo quite a bit. Short, sweet, to the point. We uh, do get something which is quite disgusting, though, which is that theme music which they're using for this paper yeah. A little example of it right here. Because I'm actually going to be using the No Mercy N64 music. Any excuse to use the No yeah, Mercy. Uh, instead of this fucking... German Electro. German Electro substandard pornography music. Yeah. No thank you, like. But yeah, that theme. Do you remember by the ECW DVDs that were released before WF bought up the library? And they just like really haphazardly dubbed over, like, you know, Enter Sandman with a Casio backing track, like, really loud. Like, our new Jack comes out, and instead of Natural Born Thrillers, it's just like... And it's like that for the whole match. <laughs> so, yeah, not, not amazing stuff. Anyway, opening this up here on our first contest at No Mercy, coming to us from Cleveland, Ohio. I wonder if RVP car is in the audience. It's the Godfather taking on Midian. I, I thought I might have put on heat by mistake. What's going on yeah. here? What is this feud? It's, it's especially in the promo, the, the build up for the promo was the Godfather is, has a beef with Viscera. Yeah. Here's him fighting Midian. Yeah. <laughs> like... I suppose it's like Russo when he left. And he always says this. He's like, when he left, he apparently went to Vince. He's like, Vince, I swear to God, you've got a year left to ride this wave. As in, like, Russo had somehow miraculously planted all these seeds that, you know, like, he didn't. He left, and the storylines was a massive question mark. Yeah. Hence why fucking Stephanie had amnesia. And hence why it's just like, this is a feud for the sake of a feud, really. It's like, pretty much. It is the Godfather, and there is a baddie. 
Ooh. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's it, really. But I can tell you right now, despite the fact of him making a joke about it, him being a preliminary player or whatever, Godfather is a is quite over. Ho trainer or not. Very over, yeah. yeah. The crowd love him so much C- now. Considerably more over than the last time we saw him. Yeah, considering mm. because he was Intercontinental Champion at one point, which was would have been around Backlash ninety nine. But he is a lot more over now, even though he's possibly been positioned lower on the card, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's kind of strange. But uh, yes, here's Trollfather at the start. He comes out and he's like, I'm not bringing the hose. They boo the shit out of him. Every time he does it. Begs the question, is he really over or is it the prostitutes that are over? I don't know, because they're cheering for him in the match, I suppose. Because he is the one that owns all the prostitutes. (laughs) That is true. We get a sign almost immediately. It just says, it's the most confused sign I think I've seen so far. I got laid at Smackdown Hotel AM 316. That is actually, I think, the new the new standard. Yeah. Because they've tried to construct a primordial sentence. Yeah, that, that, that well, actually I, tells a story as opposed to just Sable 469. What, what I don't get, though, is why they've put AM before the 316. You just put it afterward. It doesn't really change it. It just makes it more grammatically correct. That's true. I think you critique these signs a little too harshly. It's my job on the podcast. <laughs> you, you, you clearly think a lot about, a, a lot more about these signs than the people who actually made the signs. Yeah. <laughs> so Godfather's had his fair share of problems with Arbok and Weezing. JR mentioning, I, I called him that. JR mentioning, of course, on SmackDown that, you know, they had problems with the hose and the old gimmick was that Midian and Viscera, they didn't want the hose, they wanted dead barm animals. Yeah. Ah, Come on. Like, this is what Russo would write, right? Like, you know, <laughs> this is what he wanted. Vince, Vince McMahon's was there. How does he write this crap, damn it? Like, <laughs> you know, JR mentioning SmackDown. Get ready to, to hear that a lot. You were keeping your ears out for no mercy. At the start of this, I was like, oh shit, SmackDown has now debuted as a regular weekly show. Mm. You know, they had the pilot back in April. Now it is a regular show, and fuck me if they don't mention this. Yeah, they want you to know. Thursday, SmackDown, Thursday, SmackDown. You should always talk about, oh, what happened on Raw, but they are pushing SmackDown hard tonight. Yeah. Take a drink every time they mention it. So here's weed promo from The Godfather. Godfather be smoking worldwide. Man, I want you to roll a fatty for this pimp daddy. Light that blood up and say, Pimp it ain't easy! Yeah. It's not even trying to hide anymore. No, just no. weed. The Godfather is gonna go buy some weed, <laughs> roll it up in a weed skin, and then smoke <laughs> that weed, and it will affect him in ways that weed usually does. <laughs> weed! He loves his weed, doesn't he? Like? Weed and prostitutes, that's his gimmick. Godfather at the start he goes on all fours looking at Midian which I thought yeah, was, taking was, the piss out was of quite funny now we've always had a fair share of like you know making fun of Midian and it does feel like kind of picking on the fat kid on the soccer team like it's like a real like cruel thing because he looks so crap I can't help but feel yeah. sorry for him but his pants say Midian M-I-D-I-O-N oh for oh. fuck's for fuck's sake, lads! I mean, come on. In 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 fairness, when you're making his trousers, there's a there's a wiggly red line not appear underneath when you write the name Midian with an I. Oh, that's so. And sad. the thing is, he probably went to the to the costume designer, looked at them, and went, 
well, I'm not going out with no pants on. Like, so, <laughs> yeah. They're just getting buried on all fronts because as soon as they come out, Jerry Lawler just goes, look how wide Viscera is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we got a whole train of tent stopped as Viscera mistook one of the hoes for an ice cream sandwich and tries to eat her. And then Godfather's like, no, hang on a minute there, mate. Uh, Minion takes control as Vis continually distracts the referee to gain advantage. They're a lower card, guys, but it's nice that they're, you know, having a little bit of a story and all yeah. that. And the crowd is relatively into it. Godfather mounts a comeback. Great fire from him here. Vaynerbomb gets reversed by Midian, and then Visk knocks himself out. <laughs> this is like my favourite spot in wrestling. You're like, up there with Fat Cunt doing a moonsault. as a Fat Cunt kind of going, hang on a minute. Slowly builds up the momentum. This bonks his head on something. Like, <laughs> it's physics in action. Whole train, and then a quick roll-up on Midian. Godfather wins. I thought it was a decent little opener. Yeah. Then Tim White gets molested afterwards. Yeah, he's not wise, Again. is it? He just gets covered in hose. Co- got hose all over his good, clean clothes. <laughs> <laughs> I found it really hard to pay attention to this match, though, because of um, two guys uh, on, in the very front row on the hard camera. They've, they've got a big red sign and a big yellow sign, and for the whole time, every time they appear on the hard camera, they try like shaking the signs around. And I kept pausing throughout this match, not paying attention to the match, just trying to read the, these two signs. They're trolling you, Billy. They are trolling me. The red sign says, it doesn't matter what my sign says, fuck off. Ah, like, clever, <laughs> I like that. The other sign says, uh, and he, he got me here, he said, if you can read this sign, you're a jabroni. And he fucking got me. <laughs> you're a jabroni, you're Billy. A jabroni. I'm a certified <laughs> jabroni. You no good jabroni. What do you guys think of that match? So, I mean, I said it was a decent little old. For an opener, it's pretty good. Yeah. It bored me to tears, if I'm honest. I really didn't like Aww. it. Maybe I've been spoiled by the uh, the amazing action at Rebellion the, the uh, week before, but um, yeah, to be honest. <laughs> you never thought you'd hear yourself saying that. I really did not, but no, this match I thought was pretty meh. Alrighty, we got a recap of Thursday night. Remember that Thursday, SmackDown, UPN, check local listings. So we get a recap of Triple H being bitten by a snake yeah. in the Bless. face. Absolutely brilliant. We'll talk about this more a couple of times later on in the episode. But the gist of it is, yeah, Triple H had a bit of a wobbly looking face. Yeah, he's, he he's become Two Face. Basically, like yeah. Face. And then of course he, it was him, you know, saying he's going to give the belt back to Austin. Austin gets blindsided, and then we cut to Heat, where Triple H is race happy because he beat up Austin. He calls Steve Austin a maroon. That's one of my, that's one of my favourite insults. A maroon. You, you've got to do it with the accent now. You maroon. What, what, what is he, Bugs Bunny? Like, There's going to be like Austin, like a sucker appears, like you know, a big lollipop over his head. Again, it's nice to see Triple H being booked as you know the man. He's the guy calling the shots. He's the guy fucking over the baby face as opposed to him being a coward or whatever I like that what I will point out though is this is a long interview it's like four or five oh minutes. it goes on I'm not playing it from Sunday Night Heat yeah. like they just they've bolted on a clip from Heat into this pay-per-view because they clearly have nothing else to put in here yeah. and this will be a recurring theme of the yeah, night yeah it happens quite a lot a lot of Heat recaps tonight if they didn't have that Heat logo in the bottom corner I probably would have ignored it but yeah. here we are Alrighty, Cole interviews Ivory. She hates old people. <laughs> as much as the writers presumably hate her. Yeah. Fucking hell. What's going on here? I'm still maintaining I love Ivory so Same, much. Yeah. Like, but like Ivory versus Moolah. Uh, What's going on? Are we ever gonna get just Ivory versus Luna one on one like we really want? No, I mean it's a while before he's gonna get like kind of solo Ivory in an awesome match. Yeah. It's sad, even though she is great. Yeah, women's championship on the line, Moolah, the fabulous one, with Johnny Mae Young. 
taking on the young champion in ivory. Moulin May Young come out to that theme music. It's yeah. the sassiest music <laughs> I think oh, I've ever heard. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking love it. Can you just imagine just like Jim Johnson and like Jimmy Hart or whoever wrote this kind of like just jamming. jamming away, like <laughs> kicking over the microphone, set the piano on fire afterwards. <laughs> Fucking amazing. Mula bounced back pretty well from Double J beating her up, now becoming kind of a central part of the story. Yeah, a contender. Whatever about the matches, but the segments that you know Mula and May were in were so over with the fans. It's kind of like, as much as I know this is horrible, I don't blame them. Yeah, no, they're, they're capitalising on the popularity of Mula and May, aren't they? Because obviously their standards and their expectations for women's matches are sadly so low yeah. that they're kind of like, ah, fuck it, it'll be grand. What does it matter? It'll it's be... only a women's match. Yeah, yeah. and that's, it is kind of cynical on their part and it's a bit upsetting, but yeah, here we go. Jerry Lawler's about to explode in this one. Yeah. Oh man, he has a whale of a time. Mula's jacket looks delicious. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like it's made out of Jolly Ranchers. I'd fucking eat that thing. Unbelievable. The crowd, like, they don't settle down once the two women come in to start the match. They just start murmuring as in, like, well, is this actually happening? Oh, mm. they weren't kidding. They were actually going to watch this. Like, yeah. teachers left the classroom. A bit of a chat line. Yeah. That is what we get from the crowd here tonight. Snapmare heavy offense from Moolah. And, like, yep, this is actually happening. Yep. Good Lord. Uh, you know, Moolah and May, they're of the old school. But May Young does not know when and where she's meant to be at oh, any time. No, trying like, to break up that pin. Try, so trying to break up the pin. And then just getting knocked off the apron. She looks so frail. And she takes two for her massive fucking bumps she that's what takes... I love about Mae Young you've not seen anything yet Billy. Yeah. it gets worse for Mae mid 70s and she takes the fucking Foley Nestia plunge yeah. like the backwards off the apron bangs her head up yeah. and it's funny because what I noticed in this match is that she very much doesn't know where she's she knows she's meant to interfere at like two or three times but because she doesn't know when that is she just keeps interfering yeah. so Ivory just keeps fucking clocking her <laughs> so like Ivory comes off as this massive badass because this old woman just keeps coming in and Ivory's like no fucking stiffs her like <laughs> throws her off the apron Ivory does a fucking suicide dive at one point <laughs> Ivory just is it's a bit of an ultimate badass here towards the end she just gets the belt and clocks May in the head like yeah. Sandman Mick Foley Texas Deathmatch stay down <laughs> <laughs> Bit of a weird ending. Moolah just rolls up Ivory. Wins. Yeah. So our women's champion, now the oldest women's champion ever, a woman who formerly held the belt for over, Jesus, it was like 20 years or whatever it was, champion again. Fabulous Moolah. Very strange. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now, that's, Billy, that's fine. you were introduced to these characters relatively recently. Were you expecting this to uh, become a thing? I knew that Moolah and Mae Young got really, really over but I didn't know how and, you know, how far it's going to go. Really, I, I kind of felt bad for Ivory. Yeah, me too, definitely. Dropping the belt to fucking Moolah. Because even though her matches have been kind of crappy, I liked Ivory, what she was doing with the belt and that she was crazy. She, she was, was great legitimizing it. Beating up the fans and doing all the crazy stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah, you kind of really end up with a whimper then, don't you, if she just loses with a roll-up. That's it. But yeah, they finally made this belt legitimate. Now they've given it to a 70-year-old woman. Yeah. God, poor Ivory. She came like a year too early when you really think about yeah, it. Yeah, like... seriously. She's just before the wave of really great women's wrestling. So yeah, we got another cutback to Heat. Another one. Heat. It's Vince McMahon. He's making the match between Steve Austin and Triple H, which is our main event for the WF Championship. Is now a no-hold-bars match. No-hold-bars. It's not the no last hold... mercy. Will you run at me like it's hard? Because it's no-holds-barred, mate. <laughs> yeah, uh, which is a sure sign that this is going to be a hell of a brawl in the main event. You know, we're going to have to talk about this now, I suppose. It's... it's you know, it's, there's never really an ideal time to talk about it, but it's uh, 
for me, it's a very significant, very sad event from the uh, from the Attitude Era. Happened around this time during SmackDown taping. Darren Drozdov, aka Droz the Puke, one of our, you know, a guy we had very fond memories of here. Yeah. For me, definitely very fond memories of growing up as a kid. Uh, he was in a dark match with D'Lo Brown at a SmackDown taping. Uh, he was going for the running powerbomb. Move went wrong. Draws ended up being paralyzed, and obviously, you know, people don't know or don't know. Uh, you know, he's never walked since. When it initially happened, they thought that he was going to be uh, quadriplegic for the rest of his life. In mm. that, no feeling or movement below his neck. It was looking like that for a long time. He did eventually regain use and feeling in some of his upper body. So yeah. he, he did. He was paraplegic. So it's yeah. I mean, like it's it's a hard one to talk about. It's obviously you know. It's upsetting. I mean, you hear the stories, you know, that D'Lo was just, like, completely in tears. He went with him to the hospital. He was... If something like that happens... You've heard as well, like, when Vader, like, injured some guy, you know, with, uh, back in the day, like, he, like, broke his back with a powerbomb or whatever, and he was, like, bawling his eyes out. I can imagine yeah. as a wrestler, mm. there's it not a worse horrible. feeling yeah. than knowing that you're, you've been involved in an instance such as this. And the, the story goes as well as that, like, draws in the hospital, like, you know, while he was no feeling below his neck made sure to tell Dio that, you know, was it your fault or whatever. Nice guy. A lot of stories going on saying that, oh, someone threw a drink in the ring. You know, there was, you know, some people saying that, oh, because Draws was wearing, like, a loose shirt or something, Dilo couldn't get the, couldn't get the grip right. or whatever. Now, according to, to Dilo anyway, I mean, I watched a shooter with him a while back. He's like, no, the, the drink in the ring thing is, is bullshit. But honestly, it's the kind of thing that, D'Lo and Draws Hoffman exactly sat down and watched the footage over I'm and sure over. They yeah. And they said, I don't think that they've ever watched the footage. Both men have kind of resigned to it. It's no one's fault. It was a horrible accident. It was tragic. But it's sad, particularly when you watch a movie like Beyond the Mat. And anytime we were talking about Draws, we're just kind of like, oh, you know, this guy's obviously got you know a future ahead of him. Yeah. He's young. He's, he's a rookie now, but there's big things in store. Big fucking kid. He looks interesting. He's got a gimmick, which a lot of the football guys never had. And then, yeah, career tragically cut short by this. I really was upsetting for you because Draws was one of my like really favorite wrestlers growing up to just because he was weird and you know yeah, he wore yeah. like weird outfits and stuff like that and because he wasn't like a main event player and at the time they thought that you know he was hoping to walk again you know there was like a segment on Smackdown where they all met Draws you know like they were like show footage of people meeting Draws in the hospital and he was in a wheelchair and like saying oh you know Draws hopes to walk again and he never did yeah. and he never really saw there wasn't like there was updates because there was no news really essentially Draws worked with WWF.com for, for many years after that highlights including Ultimate Warrior a nice guy referring to him as a cripple when he was to appear on bike this scumbag but anyway <laughs> what um, prick it's weird because I mean we had loads of massive big draws moments and you can push and hawk off the Titan Tron and rest mm. of Mark Marrow I mean I don't know what, what do you guys think about this like I mean any thoughts on the the incident or kind of the way I see it is I mean obviously I know that you're a, a massive massive fan of draws um, I will say that I mean, for me that's 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 not you kind of saying oh what a worker and all that it's just you know it's nostalgia for me yeah no no obviously yeah, yeah. Um, I think for me the greatest sadness is that I never really got into Draws and I think it's because maybe Draws didn't really have chance to sort of sell himself properly and, well you never, uh, you never got a chance to you know, to move up a level I exactly yeah you know. and uh, I'm not going to be one of these people that's like oh he could have been a main eventer or whatever who are we to say no, what could have happened yeah. yeah I just think it's a shame that he never really had the chance to shine that he could have done and he was just, you know, sort of another name in the mid-card, unfortunately. And that's the sad reality of it, I'm afraid, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, for me, it's always, it's always a bit weird when someone never gets the chance to um, fulfil their, their full potential and mm. doesn't get to get to that elevated point of, mm. you know, truly showing themselves, uh, showing themselves off. So the only real things of draws I've seen are beyond the mat yeah. and the, his appearances on the podcast. Mm. That's, that's all I know about draws as it stands. And... 
I've 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 been two ways about him. I've I've found his weird mad hat gimmick very very <laughs> odd. But um, there was uh, definitely potential. There, from there what was there seen. was there was something about him though that he had the uh, personality which um, you don't tend to get at all anymore. Definitely. And then even mm. even then. It was a personality which you just didn't get of just a, a, a weird bloke. Well, like, uh, for me, I'll always remember GTV him hurling into Delo's bag. Into his bag, yeah. Kind of like, yeah, he's not your typical, you know, your typical jobber. I mean, I suppose it goes to show as well is that like even with like guys as refined and polished as like is you know you know full time wrestler guys, you know, Delo's done that move a million times. Yeah, and it just shows that sometimes things can go wrong. And I can't begin to believe what it must have been like for Dilo. Because, I mean, as I said, I watched a shoot interview from a few years ago, and he he broke down crying about it, and that's, like, over ten years after the fact. Yeah. You never get over something like that. It's always going to heartbreaking, yeah. It's hard, because, I mean, obviously, you know, a big fan of Draws, but obviously a massive fan of Dilo. So, like... Obviously, like the the mental strain that's got to take on someone like Dilo, because as if like, well, you've got you know time off to think about Dilo. It's like, no, you've got to get in the car and drive a thousand miles to the next show now. Like being life on the road when something like that happens must be. I yeah, can't you don't have a chance to reflect on it properly. No, do you? no, you don't have a chance to process. But it, I mean, it says a lot about Dilo's attitude. That I mean, like you say in that um, that shoot that you watched, he didn't try and make any excuses about it, or you know, say that someone did throw a drink or whatever. He's you know, because you always get that don't you with fucking like wrestlers who've like broken someone's exactly, neck like yeah. dude my fucking you know, you know it was his fault he, he didn't take it yeah, right no, and all that. at no. least Delo's you know he's got the right attitude about it and he's fully willing to admit you know it was an accident it was no one's fault that's just the way it is kind of thing it's a real sh- shame and it's just like kind of, it's one of these ones that kind of maybe gets lost a little bit by the wayside because you know it's such a it's a hot period and it's like oh yeah you know something really sad happened and mm. yeah it's it's one of those ones which, which maybe doesn't get remembered as much no, and it's not being brushed under the carpet. No, and I think no. b- b- because it happened on a dark match on SmackDown, it's not something which is out in the open like yeah. many other events that happened. It was yeah. cool that Draws was like employed by the company for so long as well, didn't they? Yeah, that's a nice thing. Here, TNA, you could fucking learn a thing or two from hmm. that life. But anyway, that's either here nor there. Uh, we'll move on as best we can, I suppose. Uh, it's time for a tag team match, and it's the New Age Outlaws taking on the Holly Cousins. <sighs> The New Age Outlaws, who Jim Ross refers to as the greatest tag team in the history of the WWF. Fuck off, Jim. What are you on about? Unbelievable. Recap of SmackDown, where the Hollies cast the New Age Outlaws, the tag team belts. It was kind of like a Rock and Sock were kind of like, yeah, we're breaking up, you know, whatever. But they had a rematch for the tag belts. The Rock was like, yeah, you know, this is it or whatever. Mm. And then the Hollies ended up casting the, the, the Outlaws, the tag belts. So the uh, the Rock and Sock have won the tag straps again, despite the fact that they were meant to be moving on to their separate <laughs> ways. So, which is quite funny in itself. New Age Outlaws beat up the Hollies as Jim Ross continually says they're the best tag team ever, ever, Fuck ever, sake. ever, 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 ever. They're the best tag team ever. They don't have the belts. <laughs> that surely, surely that should be the thing. That's true. But man, they're over as fuck, the Outlaws. Still. I mean, it's crazy. Uh, Holly's work over Road Dog. Really? Yeah. Oh, 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 I wonder where, they, wonder where this is going. I wonder if we're going to get a hot tag from Billy Gunn. You know what I was actually going to do? I was actually at one point for this, I was going to go back to a previous episode and literally just copy and paste the recap of the, the match. See if anyone notices. Um, yeah, just, I'm just... actually, I'm too cynical. I'm, that's how fucking <laughs> cynical I am. I'm too cynical to make a joke about how cynical I am. That's fucking outlaws. <laughs> <laughs> Hardcore Holly with an amazing stall suplex. Oh yeah. Somewhere backstage the bulldog is crying. 
That's my fucking bit. <laughs> Crying gravy tears into his Toby Carberry. <laughs> that was my move. Where's my title? What, Where's yeah. my title shot? What I will say though, there, there was quite an impressive superplex from the top rope that Road Dog did. Oh yeah, it was quite, uh, I was. That I think it was from? the one move of the uh, of this match. I was like, oh, good for you, Road Dog. Good for you, Road Dog. Now fuck off back home. <laughs> <laughs> Hot tag gets prevented after the superplex. Road Dog gets worked over some more. Uh. My favourite line of the night on commentary, Jerry Lawler. Crash moves pretty quickly for a 400-pounder, JR. <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Crash is really great in this. It's like a great little pest heel. Little like, scamp. Little, little scamp. It's amazing. Bob Holly as well. I'm always going to mention that two-foot dropkick of his. Oh, that dropkick is amazing. Unbelievable. It's so crisp. Unbelievable. Um, we get a hot tag finally. To, there it is. To yeah. Billy Ass. Uh, I'm going to go ahead on the Nando scale here. I'm going to say this is the Nando's original source because, you know, how original the Billy <laughs> We get a Gorilla Press Slam. <laughs> and then the Jackhammer. Billy Gunn, all power. Fantastic to see. Sadly, we see it every fucking week. King of the ring. Bob Holly slides in a chair for his cousin Crash, but we get a famouser right onto it by Billy Gunn onto Crash. Holly's win via DQ because the ref notices the chair. That's a pretty funny finish. Yeah. yeah. Standard Outlaws match. Crowd were into this more than they were into most matches for the night. Mm. I suppose it was a relatively inventive finish. And I like the fact mm. that new tag teams are being pushed. They could have easily just squashed the Hollies here, but no, they gave, them a, yeah. they gave them a little something. So, Alrighty, coming up next it is... We have a lot to talk about this, this one. This is a oh, we do. This is a real biggie. Intercontinental Championship on the line. Good housekeeping match. Double J, Jeff Jarrett, ain't he sexist? <laughs> Taking on the ninth wonder of the world. It's China. Wait a minute. What just... China just took Jarrett's pants off. No, she did Jarrett knocked out China with a toaster, and then he shoved her in that, that laundry bin. China's in that laundry bin. Now, wait, Miss Kitty's yelling, no, look at that. No, no. China. It has become oh so painfully obvious that you still haven't learned what the role of a woman should be. Okie dokie, intro package there, giving us a recap of Unforgiven. It's, it's the longest promo, I think. I've. It's longer than the main event promo. Yes, it it's is. Like, it's like this a, is a long package. It's like a good six-minute package. There's a lot to sum up here, mate. A lot of for this, For this match, though. It was meant to be blown off around Rebellion, I believe. Like, back at Unforgiven, it was like... China won, but then Jeff won on a fluke, which means that obviously the next match she she had to win. Yeah. But then they had him win again. Yeah. So they really have artificially extended this by a month, and of course now that Russo isn't here, it's just them kind of going, "Let's just do it again." Yeah. <laughs> you know. I'll be honest. You say it's a long package, though, but this is one of the the ongoing feuds for the past few months that I've been the most invested. Oh in, yeah, same. I've actually been really, really interested in this storyline. Double J is taking the good housekeeping gimmick incredibly seriously. Incredibly literally as well. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Uh, the sexist shtick has gone on a bit. Too long there. I mean, because it's went from a two-month feud to a three-month feud. I'm like, yeah. it's a quarter of the year. Are you saying barefoot and pregnant every week, like? And his he, line of the night is, uh, "Men are the dominant species. They're the same species, you fucking dumbass. <laughs> Homo sapiens sapiens." He's so on the nose about it now, isn't he? Like, it's got, to, it's gone from the point where it's like, you know, he started off as being a little bit misogynistic. Now he's literally shouting that women are weak and men are dominant. Can you imagine if Zeb Coulter came out and was like, Mexicans are smelly. <laughs> Americans are cool, though. They work real good. <laughs> All right, I have spent considerable time mulling this over my head because it's a difficult one. The WWF is obviously puts forth a lot of sexist angles and a lot of sexist characters, uh, unwittingly, some would say. And then you've got this angle where it's like, look at this lad, he's being sexist. Whoa. I'm like, that is a blatant... 
hypocrisy, is it not? Yeah. Mm. I've been trying to figure out what it is. A sexist heel in the late 90s WWF was a very stupid idea. As By and large, the product was sexist, but it was put forward some shockingly bad portrayals of women, and also some shockingly poor portrayals of men treating women as being normal. The fact that they did this whole angle shows that they didn't realize that they were sexist themselves. <laughs> because yeah. they're like, look at him, he's being a baddie. But then in a regular angle, they're like, hey, look at that woman, she's yeah. got tits, mate. Now, I usually don't draw pictures to some of my feelings of WWF product at the time. But I have drawn a picture of the WWF logo with a fedora on. <laughs> <laughs> with a speech bubble coming out saying, but all my favourite anime characters are girls and I hold open doors for girls. <laughs> WWF, you just don't realise how fucking sexist you are, you fucking pigs. <laughs> so that, in my mind, is like, they think they're doing something good here. By having Jeff Holding Jackie. open a door. Yeah. That's how I can reconcile this most in my mind that's but, a very good point yeah but by making Jarrett an overt sexist they're uh, sort of just forgetting about the fact that they are sexist themselves yeah it's kind of like oh, no imagine if we were if we were sexist we'd be carrying on like this we're not that bad yeah I mean <laughs> some of the highlights of this just show how crazy they've gotten like because obviously they have to go crazy sexist to make their regular sexism seem acceptable yeah Double J having a dress put on him China taking off his pants and putting them on mm-hmm. then Double J stuffing China in a laundry basket Throwing her off like a rampway and then them opening it and her being covered in blood. She looks like she's been murdered. It's like Shawn Michaels through the windshield all over again. Except she's got like fucking, you know, long johns and socks stuck to her. Instead of glass. Because, you know, women, laundry, that is how it works. Fucking hell. Jarrett is leaving. And they're they're just kind of going, well, fuck it, we can do anything we want with him because he's leaving. Doesn't matter anymore. They're in a process right here of making Jeff Jarrett seem as unvaluable as possible Mm. because he's going to WCW now. And, you you know, if he's going to WCW, even though he's a big, massive heel here, he's a fucking creep. He's having his pants ripped off him. He's just fucking beating up women, like... And I think Jeff Jarrett has to be thinking all through the build-up to this, all these shitty things he's doing, devaluing himself and lowering his dollar worth. Wherefore out thou, (laughs) Ruscio? So, alrighty, we'll talk about Jeff's leaving and his antics after this match. But Double J comes out, takes a long time. He comes out and he's got the kitchen sink. Oh, I see. Right on the nose there. China comes out as well, gets a big pop, looking like quite the badass, and she dominates the match to start. Rules of a good housekeeping match are as follows. You essentially have gimmicks everywhere, all like... Stuff you'd find around the house, like you would in the kitchen, in the the cleaning closet. It's just like brooms and eggs and things of that nature. Mm. So there's like, there's not a lot of room for them to work around. There's so much shit. Everywhere. Everywhere. Oh my. Toilet seat spot early on. Poor Double J. He gets absolutely Mark Miroed, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. He gets just, his balls get completely cut off. It's unbelievable what they do to him. If you didn't know, if you weren't someone who had the internet in 1999, you'd have to be going, right? Jeff is either leaving or is never going to be anywhere near the mid-card yeah. ever yeah. again because he is being demasculated. Yeah, he's being Mark in the Merrow's worst way. In the worst way, definitely. Several minutes in and Jeff has yet to hit an offensive maneuver. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. A- apart from throwing a sausage or a slime <laughs> at China, which, which genuinely perplexes uh, Jim and Jerry for ages. Because they're like, do you just throw salami at her? What are we talking about? <laughs> What's Jesus going on? Jesus Christ, man. China dies through the table uh, trying to get Jeff and like takes herself out. So the only real offensive maneuver China did to herself yeah. Double J gets out of fish and it's China with it. So it's Jerry and JR are like, oh, is that a is that a flounder? Is that a f-? I think it's actually a place. 
uh, not a mm. flounder. Place which alongside cod, monkfish and sole are the major demersal fish which are of all their stocks. They're not sustainably fished. And that was even going back to 1999. And you're fucking throwing them around. <laughs> <laughs> a bit of fucking first respect. To sexi- first to sexism now that Now that fishism. First to sexism. Now they're having a go at fisheries. <laughs> <laughs> Stock quotas are there for a fucking reason. <laughs> Assholes. Double J puts eggs in a bowl. It's real Gordon Ramsay here at the yeah. moment. Yeah. Like a nice callback to earlier. Like, right, eggs. <laughs> Done. <laughs> yeah, he puts eggs in a bowl, gives him a bit of a whisk, and uh, he leaves him for a bit. Then Kitty gets all the goop thrown on her. Yeah. yeah. Miss Kitty, sorry. I almost we forgot she was even there. Miss Kitty comes out, essentially for Jerry to go, yeah. <laughs> That's so it's all like he's there for. they'll call a move, say something about Jeff being demasculated, then cut a shot at Miss Kitty, and Jerry will go. Here, kitty, kitty, kitty. And like when she gets eggs dropped all over her, fucking like Jerry. Or right, I'll I'll call a spade a spade here. The match got very clips for sale towards the end. You can hear his erection growing. Well, I'm just saying, it. like China's covered in flour. Jeff has got a pie on him. Yeah. You know, Kitty is covered in eggs. <laughs> <laughs> Double J with the figure four at last. He gets some fucking... Finally. China gets to the ropes, however. Then China gets the tongs, and she uses the tongue on Double J's dung. Yeah. Mm. I, I tell you what, like, it, this really split me in half, this match, because... China starts stiffing them really bad here yeah. with these weapons. Jeff shots. Jarrett, the character, the sexist asshole yeah. character, is like, yes, come on, China, fucking rip his balls off, kill him, this is so glorious. It's amazing, yeah. Then it's like, Jeff Jarrett, the wrestler, is like, Oh no, Jeff! Come on, put your britches it, up. It's like uh, Darth Vader at the end of Return of the Jedi. It it's really like, is. I, yeah. Like at the end, Jeff is like, "You, there's still good in me." <laughs> <laughs> you know? I know that deep down there's the amazing guy who's like tearing down the house with like fucking own hearts and stuff like yeah. that. It's like they've given him this really bad character, which has soured him. This but, match has like torn me completely in half. I want to see him get destroyed by China, but then at the same time, I don't want to see that at all because he's a really good wrestler. It's it's fucking weird, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Double J gets the kitchen sink. But but not before some pies, which essentially are like cocaine yeah, uh, plates. Yeah, enough, yeah. But uh, yeah, kitchen sink shot, which the crowd erupt for, and like Jim Ross puts over real strong. We get a kick out, though. Double J gets a belt shot, and then Double J seemingly wins. <laughs> pissed myself I, I, I wasn't expecting this at all I was like is he gonna fucking leave with the bell like, I, I was sort of thinking like okay WWF has spent like three months now making him out this to be this monster sexist he has to lose he cannot win there's, there's no way there's no way that he can win this because it's just too villainous and he and fucking he, does he hits it with the belt and gets the one two three and I just couldn't stop laughing <laughs> what is wrong with the WWE he's like covered in pie all beaten up <laughs> crawling away with his stripper covered in eggs and he's like yeah who's <laughs> the real one so fucking fun it's old school it's something that Jeff has clearly put out there mm. kind of like a little bit of a swerve yeah just before the end of course we have Teddy Long hold on a minute player no he's not going to put him in a tight team match with, <laughs> with the Undertaker and the Randy Orton <laughs> he's restarting the match on a technicality the IC belt is not a household object I, I mocked out so hard I, I I was laughing so much at this insane so you look like you were about to say for fuck's sake and then you held it in you get you will get cancer and die if you don't let it out so you, you want to say for fuck's sake now let for fuck's sake I mean honestly seriously 
What uh, kind of shitty rule is that? I love Jerry on commentary goes, it's a household object in the Jarrett household. <laughs> <laughs> the thing I love the most about this, though, is that China wins China wins now after the match starts by hitting him with a guitar. Yeah. That's not akin to the rest of the household items that they've already been using. A guitar so is would, a household item, I, though. But the rest of the household items they've been using are kitchen items. More than a no, continental no, no. championship, though, I would I say. would argue, you know, you, you would find, typically, you would find a guitar in a house. Typically, you would find a wrestling belt at a wrestling show. Yeah. You know? Not to get too foot think too much about it. But yes, China smacks the bejesus out of Double J with a guitar. Amazing. Double J lands in a heap. He loses. And there we go. China finally uh, vanquishes. Last. And, you know, I've always said before, like, it's hard to, like, lambast an angle for being sexist towards sexist characters if that character does not get his comeuppance. And... It is difficult because they push the envelope in such ridiculous ways. Mm. But Jeff gets his comeuppance here massively. But the sad fact is, is that all the other kind of like the, the iffy stuff, you know, in, in terms of like the puppies chance and the, the way they treat Deborah and they, they treat Miss Kitty, that still goes that's on. That's the way it is. And that's the way it is. So even though Double Jeff gets yeah. his comeuppance, the baseline is still the same. Yeah. So it is kind of bittersweet in that regard. That being said, in terms of a villain in a storyline losing and hitting the dusty trail never to be seen again you never see Jeff Jarrett in WWE TV ever again this was awesome it's, it's a great way to yeah. leave yeah it's a great my way my only gripe with it is because yeah it's an amazing end for Jarrett the villain but I still I know I'm being very picky about this but I still wish that China had won in more of a proper fashion rather than having that screwy like Jarrett beat her and then they overturn the decision I just wanted to see China flat out beat him because that's you know, surely the whole point of this is not only to get rid of the monster but also to empower China and make her out yeah. I suppose competitor. I can always view it from the point of view which is kind of like if, fine I'll do the stupid match and go down to your level because I'm a serious athlete but I'll kick the shit out of you anyway and that's kind of what it was it's not as if China's like I want a good housekeeping match it's like something stupid that Jeff wants to do he's like fine I'll do it you stupid yeah. sexist prick and I'll beat you anyway so I mean I suppose there's something to be said for her like winning on his stupid terms I wasn't the gimmick yeah. of the match I liked that it's just the fact that you know he won and then they overturned the decision yeah, is what soured it a little bit for me but um, yeah Double J is gone on his way to WCW with a big old contract and the promise of being the chode chode chosen one <laughs> you chode chode chose me <laughs> okay Final thoughts on Jeff Jarrett because I think the most enjoyable things about this podcast so far is it has changed my opinion on several wrestlers. Yeah, and obviously it's now and then it's nice when someone's leaving. It's a good time to step back and kind of go, oh, okay, you know, a lot of changes happened here. Double J at the start. I'm actually going to play a clip if I could find this talking about Double J from earlier in the podcast. Okay. Clearly, crowd are not really up yeah. the idea of a lip-synced country western concert yeah. with a mid-card heel. And yeah. then uh, after, after the song is done, there was a resounding no to uh, Double J's uh, question of uh, ain't I great? Yeah. Resounding no, really. Uh, it's been said before and I'll say it again, Jeff Jarrett broke a million guitars and never drew a dime. <laughs> <laughs> Three words, Jeff. Ain't I mediocre? Good Lord in heaven. You know, it's very rare that a wrestling, you know, as wrestling fans, you kind of get stuck in your ways. Mm. And particularly if it's like something about a period that's gone by and kind of like, oh yeah, I remember that guy. I watched that back in the day. He sucked. Fuck him. And I was like that about Jeff. Blatantly, straight up, I thought he was rubbish. No good. Mm. I thought about, about Mark Marrow as well. I was still right. But um, <laughs> good God in heaven, I was wrong about Jeff Jarrett. One of the most consistently entertaining characters, both from an in-ring standpoint, on the microphone. He carried himself so well. And I think 
looking back, it was probably this like really creepy fucking sexist angle that made me like hate Jeff for so long because I just it really rubbed me the wrong way as a kid. I just thought it was weird and I didn't like it. But fuck me, he was good. Mm. He was really fucking good. I'm really going to miss him now. And it's yeah. annoying because obviously a lot of older guys, Austin, Undertaker leaving now, you think, okay, youth movement is coming. It's a shame that Jeff is leaving now because this surely is the time when Jeff... There would have been a spot open for yeah. him. There's no Austin. There's yeah. no Undertaker. You know, there's no HBK. Surely it's time for a bit of Jeff. I was like, no, sorry. And he's off to WCW now. Yeah. And I'm sorry, but late 1999, WCW, the writing is on the wall. You know you're going to a company that's fucked. Yeah. And it's as if you're like Russo going over thinking you're going to save it. You're going over as a talent. You know that you're going over there to get a big check. That's so, the only reason he's going. What are you guys' thoughts on Double J? I mean, it, has it changed for you from the start? Obviously for you. Oh my, <laughs> are you kidding me? Yeah, seriously. I, I hated Jeff Jarrett to start off with... Um, I'm incredibly glad that we were so wrong about him. I mean, it didn't help that when he first was, you know, when we first started the podcast, he had the fucking shit double J gimmick with Tennessee Lee. But um, yeah, no, he really, really changed my mind. Talk about a guy that, as you said, consistency, I think is one of the biggest things with Jeff Jarrett. He was so consistent and so professional and just, just a hell of a good performer. Like he could always put on a great mid card match. You can always rely on Jeff Jarrett when you're watching a shitty pay per view mm. to at least put on match, a decent yeah. show in his match. He really sums up what what was successful about the Adjustera storytelling as well. And that he was a guy with a fucking goofy gimmick from the you know the early nineties. You know the the yeah the cowboy singer or whatever. It's like no fucking shaved head, realistic, great. Don't piss me off. Real life character with the volume turned up. Brilliant. That totally sums up the transition from new generation to Attitude Era, yeah, I think. Just exactly. looking at Jeff Jarrett alone, how he was when he started. When we started the podcast, he did not fit into the Attitude Era. Not at all, in his fucking spacesuit. But his... then by the end of it, he's a, like a fucking monster sexist, you know, making fun of women, saying they should be barefoot and pregnant. So yeah. I think he's a perfect summary of what was you know what was unfitting before the Attitude Era, and then maybe what happens when you have a little bit too much Attitude Era as yeah, well. Definitely. He kind of encapsulates it perfectly. Billy, what do you think? Well, I, like you two, I hated. I hated you didn't know Jeff nearly at all though before we started the podcast did you I knew that he was he created TNA yeah that is all I knew of Jeff Jarrett and so that already hindered my opinion of him when we got into it but completely changed my mind I mean if it wasn't for Jeff Jarrett we probably wouldn't have Grunt of the Night that's true that's very true and it is, it is sad that this is our final Jeff Jarrett appearance on the podcast and we got no Glargate you guys can tell I'm getting a little bit teary eyed here yeah there's, there's no Glargate to say goodbye to Jeff so for, for one you know for old time's sake Kevin could you just splice in the original very first Glargate for us here please Glargate <laughs> <laughs> now I've deliberately withheld some information from you because I thought if I told you this beforehand that might have made that last bit there where we talk about our final thoughts and it might have soured it a little bit are we going to hate him again? It, honestly you may or may not before this Jeff his contract was up you know he obviously knew he was going to WCW the idea was because Russo was gone and he's Russo's boy essentially you know, not to use that as a derogatory term he knew he was going to WCW and that his days were up in WWF he was getting a big contract to WCW, six figures, and that's the fucking downside. So he's going to make you know merch. All those Slapnuts t-shirts are going to add up, mate. <laughs> Before this pay-per-view started, and I'm talking like literally, people are in setting up the ring. It's about it's showtime soon. Jeff Jarrett spoke with Jim Ross and said that he was not going to wrestle tonight because he was not. He was technically not under contract, I believe. He was. Right. He was. He was like, this was his last day post contract. And he said he wasn't going to wrestle tonight unless he met with Vince and Vince was going to give him a payday, which he felt that he was he was earned. Basically, we're going back to Vince. Jeff wanted money. Uh, he held him up for money. Now, the figure which Jeff has alleged it was 
was somewhere between $300,000 and half a million dollars for one night for to go out and drop the belt to China fucking hell so and it's funny because Jeff talking on his TNA documentary and he talks about this with a big fucking smile like it was the best thing ever he held them up for a lot of money and obviously they they were going had ideas and plans with China and obviously this the the angle was in such a way that fuck it we have to have Jeff lose because otherwise we've left the sex is just leave. Yeah. And he can't just... You can't, even, you can't even do a screw job because no, that no. defeats the whole point of the story. Exactly. Yeah. Um, he has to go out there and he has to do the business. 300 to f- half a million. Oh, actually, um, allegedly, cow. the money he got from that and the signing bonus from WCW is actually what he used to start up TNA. That big <laughs> chunk of change. Because, you know, obviously Jeff has never worked after WCW. He never went back to WWF. Yeah. He was only ever seen on, like, the, the Nitro simulcast... He, he lived off that big money for a long time and it was because he held them up for me holding someone up for money in any circumstance unless it's a real fucking scumbag promoter who has done you wrong I mean some of the guys who like maybe like, Heyman owed like tens of thousands of dollars to who were like breaking their backs in ECW yeah, and that's were hurt you know what if they were to hold them up and say kind of like you know I need money for fucking this or that but you know what Jeff by and large was you know, he didn't get his main event push. You know, that's sad. Yeah, big fucking deal. But they treated him well otherwise. He, was, had. he yeah. was a superstar and a household name because of Vince McMahon. And he was there every month on pay-per-view. You could always guarantee he was going to get a pay-per-view check. So. Definitely. He, he, was, he was one of the most consistently featured performers. Mm. You know, and he, he, he was signed back from WCW in like, you know, 96, 97. So he was on a good contract. You know, you won't, you won't fucking a millionaire, but you won't Ungrateful shit, Ed. Yeah. I, I'm, okay. I'm glad you waited till after we said all those nice <laughs> things about him. Cause... You know what? People are kind of like, oh, no, it was a smart business move from, from Double J to do that. He knew he wanted that money. Business But move. you know what? Fucking SummerSlam 91 or 92, whichever it was, Warrior held up Vince for money to go out and appear in the main event with with, with Hogan and, and Slaughter. You know, and everyone was like, routinely, he's like, no, that is a, that's a dick move, a scumbag move. Yeah. If you do that, you're not doing business. And I can't, as much as I love Jeff and all the nice things I said, I think that is is it's the same thing. It's the same thing, yeah. I mean, that's just me, though. That's just my opinion. I'm sure people might disagree with that. Because, I mean, some people would be like, you know what, fuck it. They said you're going to give him a main event push and he didn't get it and Austin held him down. He's right to hold him up for money. But I just think it's it's unethical. Some Christian he is. Like, yeah. <laughs> what, what do you think, Billy? Like, Does that change your opinion of him? or It's not my cha- It's not changed my opinion of, you know, what he did. In um in the run of the podcast, yeah, I think it's not changed what I think of him as a. That's wrestler. why it was good that we didn't tell you this before, yeah, yeah. But it is it is a scummy thing to do. Blackball, he's blackball. I mean, you've got, there's the argument as well that that amount of money to Vince McMahon at this time is it's not a lot in comparison to. What um, he has. you know what? You don't become rich like Vince McMahon without like fucking without treating every big piece of money as as that. Like, mm. you know, even if you're a billionaire, that's a lot of money, and I think Vince McMahon would view it as that. You know, because you you don't get rich by thinking, oh fuck it, that's only half a million yeah. dollars. You know, it can't be frivolous. Apparently, like even like when Ziggler, like a couple a couple of months ago, did the uh, Jared Strutt because he had a guitar on an episode of Raw. Apparently, he got heat backstage. Fuck and that's hell. like fucking like still. you know we're nearly like fifteen years yeah. after the fact, and the man still is like is dirt in their mind. Wow, like, won't be seeing him in the Hall of Fame. No, no. and it's a shame because you know Jeff really is. You know that's my hope is his, his new thing. He's doing a new project. I hope it works out for him because. You know, if WWE don't recognize you, it's very easy to be forgotten in this wrestling yeah. world. And more and more now, as TNA is getting smaller and the other, you know, 
you can't be a superstar in the world of wrestling without WWF giving you that power. Yeah. And you're looking at the likes of Warrior has been brought back into good graces. They, you know, even though Savage has passed, he's on DVDs. Mm. Everyone, like fucking, even Vince Russo appears on like interviews and yeah, commentaries that's now. True. And like Tony Schiavone is apparently doing stuff. Everyone who's had like bad blood with WWF is brought back. Ex- the one person I think who will never be brought back and interviewed is Jeff, Jeff Jarrett. Jarrett. That's how much he's fucking made Vince McMahon hate him with this. Yeah. Burn those bridges. And that really says a lot. Yeah. That if he's going to bring back Vince Russo for a chat, but not fucking Jeff Jarrett. Yeah. But there you go. Wow. So long. I think at that time, it's a good point for a little bit of a halfway break and to get into the caption contest. Okie dokie, it's time for the caption contest. This went up on facebook.com forward slash Attitude Era Podcast. We're trying to do these for all the mainline episodes. Get a little bit of a picture. People can send in their captions and we'll have a read and a proper good laugh. The picture of the day. Can I just see the picture again just to yeah, just remind us. That's Triple H for this. It is Triple H after being allegedly bitten by a snake. Uh, he's got poo face. Snake yeah. face. Snake face. <laughs> Let's have a gander at some of these captions. First of all, I dare having a woman snap me. <laughs> I shouldn't stand on the ropes when Kane walks out. You should see my balls. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll point up right now. I'm not going to say all of them, but a good two-thirds of these were variations on this joke, which is, that's the drawback from One Night in China. Uh. Or like, Vachina. Or they, it basically implying that China's vaginas... <laughs> Sounds va- like a Dr. Seuss book, China's Vaginas. <laughs> the, the, the vagina of China, which couldn't be finer, <laughs> implying that it is somehow caustic in nature. But anyway, uh, this is one of my favorite ones, by the way, was from Michael Scally, who does our amazing episode artwork, Fizz vs. the World. Uh, he's just, he put like a little hand with a coin <laughs> beside it. You, you either get buried as a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the digger. <laughs> I swear to God, this new STI angle will work. Oh. We's gonna call you Hunter Herpes Helmsley. <laughs> and you's gonna have a new catchphrase and everything. That's fucking brilliant. The Booker of the Opera is finally <laughs> I was in a boking accident. I have to go now. Uh, a nice reference to a previous episode is just the lad from uh, Robocop 2. Oh, the melty one. The melty yeah. one. Triple H had severe allergic reaction to the Ultimate Warrior's face paint. <laughs> I was just walking down the street when Big Show knocked me over with a motorcycle. I even lost my snakeskin boots. Warning, one in a thousand burials may cause shovel backfire. (laughs) Basically, I'm a big fan of Phantom of the Opera. Triple H explained to the podcast why people chant Nugget at Owen Hart. (laughs) That is my favourite one. You want to know how I got these scars? My father-in-law was a drinker and a fiend. Jesus. (laughs) Look at me, Steph. I've been separated from the title one day and I'm as dirty as a Frenchman. (laughs) All right. We could go on. We got fucking out. This is amazing. We got over 120 responses. So, by and large, I think people are enjoying the caption contest. If you've got ideas for, you know, captions for the next episode, which will yeah. be Survivor Series, uh, if you've got an idea for a picture that might, might be might be good, send it in. Facebook.com slash the editor podcast. We'll post it up. This is always a nice laugh. This is fun, yeah. Thanks nice for joining little, us. Nice little respite, like. So, yeah. We'll get back to the main event. Back to the pay-per-view, where a young Kevin Mann is about to talk about the Rock versus the British Bulldog. Yeah. Alrighty, back to the action. It's time for a Good God in heaven, who put this together? Uh, it is Duroc taking on the British Bulldog. Where is my title shot? 
do you, you seen it? Have you seen title shot around yay high? Doesn't exist now. You had your title shot, didn't you? Bulldog. <laughs> Bulldog has got slobber all over his top in the. You know. Oh, the, the yeah, the fucking the matchup card photo. He, look, he looks ill. He looks really sick. He's just I, becoming the animal he's named after. Yeah. Well, you know, when I, when I saw that, right? I saw that, and what I expected to happen was my mother just to come over to him and lick and and now handkerchief. You're fucking slobber all over you. Like when I'm like four and I'll drop an ice cream on myself. Bulldog is lacking that in his life. At the moment, care. He's lacking someone to care. Fucking change your fucking shirt, mate. Jesus Christ. Bulldog has been dragged kicking and screaming out of the top of the cards. And you're going to get this with Mankind as well, where, while of all intents and purposes, this may seem like it's meant to elevate the guy underneath, mm. it is just bringing someone else down. In and this case, The Rock. The Rock, yeah. after Rebellion, you know, he had an amazing match. Incredible. Crowd in the palm of his hand. Yeah, go out and work five minutes with the Bulldog. Ugh. Fuck that. So unfair to him. Really not. You could have come up with something better than this. Well, we got to talk about this now. Eventually, this is one of your favourite moments of the Attitude Era. We could actually point out now. I think we're actually officially in the part of the Attitude Era where you started watching, Adam. Um, not quite. But you that- are recalling specific segments. No, no, yeah, moments, yeah. Episode by episode, we're getting more points where like, I think, oh, shit, I remember this. Or, I remember that as well. But um, I think the moment where I actually full-on started watching, you know, religiously, properly into it, will be Royal Rumble 2000. Yeah. So we're nearly there now. But this is one of my favourite moments of the Attitude Era. Just for Michael Cole on commentary. Uh, yeah, so obviously British Bulldog and The Rock, they're going at it on SmackDown, I believe. Yes. And Mankind has brought out a big old plate of dog poop. You know the old expression about if you bring out a gun on stage, someone's going to have to fire it at yeah. some point. Someone's going to go into the dog poop. Oh, we easily. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and yeah, Bulldog bounces off the ropes, Rock catches him into a rock bottom, straight into it. Right into the, like, this poo goes everywhere. <laughs> And Michael Cole with the call of the century. The dog poop. The dog poop. The dog poop. The rock bottom. The dog poop. Someone uploaded this clip to YouTube and the top comment on the video was like, oh man, I will never forget the moment that the rock uh, rock bottoms the British Bulldog into the dog poop. The dog poop. The dog poop. <laughs> the rock bottom into the dog poop. Yeah, the man. 38 thumbs up. When I uh, Vince McMahon on the headset, the dog poop. The dog poop. Say it again. The dog poop. The dog poop. <laughs> And you know what I love? British Bulldog's WWF career explodes as soon as he hits that soft, mm. gooey uh, poo. Uh, there's, I, no, there's, no, there's no coming back from that. That no. is a, that you is have a, been rock-bottomed into the dog poop, the dog poop, the dog poop, you cannot come back from that. That is a she-has-a-penis moment. Yeah. Mm, yeah, they thought is. in their heart of hearts that, you know what, we can get a match out with them after the dog poop, <laughs> the dog poop, the dog poop. I think you can make any finisher in wrestling infinitely better by having it land in dog poop. I'm okay, just trying to think of ones Quick like, question, what's the best finisher you can do into a dog the poop? The RKO. The RKO be good. I'm thinking... No, you get it. No, the X Factor. Tombstone... Because pa- you put their face right in it and your legs are spread out so you don't get any poo on you. Tombstone pile driver. You get poo like, on your right knees. So we get a nice shot of Bulldog where he's walking out. Crowd or not into him. He gives the finger to a fan. Like, Fuck's sake. He's got the kind of like the... He's got like wrinkles on his breasts. Yeah, no, his skin looks really, really fucking creasy and tight. Like it's mm. going to rip any second. We got uh, in the promo package though, we got a final shot of Bulldog looking all sad and dejected and sweaty in front of a big old plate of fucking dog shit. 
Ah, here, come on. Sums it up so perfectly. I made this analogy when I was walking home the other day and I thought it was amazing. It may not be. But I've likened Bulldog to Ganondorf from Legend of Zelda. And that obviously, okay. in original, you know, you know, him in like Wembley Stadium is like, you know, Ocarina of Time or something. Like, Bing, you know, all the yeah. time. Here he's kind of like Wind, Wind Waker. Waker. He's all fat and all. You know, like Rock hits him with a sword and he turns to dog shit. Like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know it, it's he is a shell of his former self. I've said it before. I will say it again. It's I do not want to see this man in a match. I do not want to see this match. And I, you know, I, I don't know if I give him enough props. I always praise him, but in terms of the person who consistently almost entertains me the most, and someone I always want to see wrestle, mm. it is The Rock. I love The Rock so much during this period, and I don't want to see him now because I don't want to see him in the fucking British Bulldog. He deserves so much better. He's such a. It's this is fucking learn your lesson after SummerSlam. Yeah, The, the Rock is not for fucking getting mid card guys over. He's your main event player. He's not like a guy to make someone else shine. It's How have you not realised this by now? Yeah, Billy Gunn all over again. But anyway, Rock's sideburns are gone, which weird. is quite weird. Yeah. yeah. And it's point as well, people are wondering if we're going to talk about Rock and Sock. We'll talk about it a lot more in detail when they actually have some tag matches because with the Rock and Sock, when it first started off that group, they it ran alongside a lot of individual feuds. Mm. And, you know, Rock and Mankind weren't actually together an awful lot of times. They were kind of doing their own separate thing and begrudgingly teaming up. So we will have a lot more chat about the Rock and Sock segments. Yeah. yeah, in the next few episodes. Don't worry about that. Brawl outside, crowd Peter off immediately yeah. Porton knows well Rock does not come out with his tag belt but that's kind of a storyline uh, thing we'll yeah. get into that much more later get a pretty cool tumble spot from the bulldog at one point where he flips into the ropes it was the best spot he did all night and he goes into the turnbuckle yeah. oh yeah best thing he did all night because as soon as the bell rung he was gassed oh yeah immediately like he goes for the stall suplex and just immediately gives up yeah. Bob Holly backstage going I don't think I've forgotten about you bulldog <laughs> dog paddling out of there we get the worst Samoan drop ever we get like just basic spots fucked up the Samoan yeah. drop and bulldog flips over the complete wrong way it looks mm. like the rock has just like done something it's one of the rock's different. like signature moves I mean there's he, a part to get it perfect every time, yeah, but like, with the bulldog, he can't. It's not like you know, the DDT with the rock, the, the up, quick kick, boom. You know that DDT yeah. is—it's one of the snappiest DDTs in wrestling. And like bulldog gets up, stands there, they look awkwardly, and then rock DDTs him. It's, it's like, like he's trying to do it on a mattress or something, isn't it? it he's just, like, it he just horrible. pauses. If it yeah. was Randy Orton, he would have went stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we get the running power slam magazine kick out. Your finish means nothing anymore. <laughs> Crowd don't even pop when he does the move or when the rock kicks out of it. Second power slam attempt, reverse rock bottom, people's elbow, rock wins. The end. At least it was short. The match is like, it's a squash match. It's kind of like, yeah. the rock is, it's a tune-up match for the rock before his actual match. Waste of time. It's a pay-per-view yeah. at the end of the day. Pay-per-views mean a lot more back back in these days than they do yeah. now. This isn't even just this is, isn't even Raw or SmackDown match. They wouldn't no. even do that. Imagine these days if they said like right in like the next pay-per-view. Daniel Bryan or John Cena like a top guy is going to fight like Damien Sandow Damien Sandow and just beat him in a few minutes yeah that's, that's, what's that's, the point I'm paying to see that no. like, what is the point it's, it's ridiculous alrighty backstage Jerry Terry and innuendo oh for it's, fuck's it's, sake it's, this it's, killed me win the Terry Runnels invitation they have to climb this ladder there'll be a hundred thousand dollars hanging there they get that and you oh wow this is going to be great now how are they going to climb the ladder can you show me how high the money's going to be way up there, I mean, like, really, really high up here. they got to climb the ladder to success. I mean, success. Yeah. So show me how high. You know, King, they're going to have to go all the way. All the way? Yeah. yeah. They're going to have to go, like, 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 way up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Can you see it? Can huh? 
Can, can you visualize it, King? I can see, you it. Can see it. Believe me, I can see it. Hey, yeah. I promise you. It's it's just become the naked gun. It's just because of <laughs> nice beaver. It's, it's, that's all this scene has become. I know. So you say like naked gun, but it's not like damn. Jerry like, is not Leslie Nielsen. No, naked, <laughs> naked gun is tongue in cheek, and it's like, oh, we're being rude, isn't it, silly? This is just. Jerry the King Lawler is, you know, looking at Terry, and he's probably going to go and masturbate immediately afterwards. Someone it's, needs it's to, uh, someone needs to gif Jerry's face at the end of this, where he turns around going like. <laughs> it's, it's actually, it's actually sickening because it's sort of like you know, it's oh yeah, he's a bit of a pervert, but then when you watch this, it's like oh Jesus, I'm actually seeing a man getting sexual pleasure right now from staring at Terry. It's horrible. So it is the Terry Invitational Tournament, T I T. I, I didn't, didn't even catch know that. I didn't that. catch that before. Fucking tit. hell. Because she's got Billy, she's got tits, hasn't she? Yeah. Yeah, that's what it is. But she's got two of them, mate. I said one So here. tit. <laughs> it was a best, even though it's a tournament, it was actually a best of five series between the young Hardy Boys and the young team of Edge and Christian. So it's not a tournament. Not, a tournament not really. <laughs> it's, it, it was originally a best of seven. It turned into a best of five. I really like the idea. It's a great way for, for young guys to get over, particularly if they're getting over using their moves. Just wrestle each other over and over and over mm. again. Do different stuff. The crowd are picking up on it. These guys are still being built up, but this is definitely... Now it's kind of like, here's a chance to shine. And this match is... You know, people going in didn't know who these kids were. You know, they have been on pay-per-view, as we said. Yeah. But at the end of the day, they were still in a, they were still being built up. They don't they, have massive characters. They weren't yet. stars yet. Yeah. Any four, any four of these guys. Particularly the Hardys. They are still very kind of... Mysterious. Well, you can tell because they're coming out with fucking Brood and Gangrel. Like, you know, yeah. it's, it's kind of silly. New Brood versus Old Brood. I always find it very interesting. Jericho said in his documentary and in his book, Notice Jericho not booked here tonight. Mm. He said it calls him sitting up in the rafters, you know, just like with a notebook writing down you know, ideas for himself. Because oh, yeah? he's not booked yeah. and watching this match and getting really depressed. Because it's like... How can I compete with this? Well, it's like, well, these guys are, one, they're younger. They're paid considerably less. And... Yeah, they're going to steal the show. And spoiler alert, they fucking steal the show. They really this do. One. It's Unbelievable. the first ever tag team ladder match as well, I believe. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Actually, the No Mercy video game on the N64 has a bit in the back talking specifically about like how this night changed. It was like, really cool. The back of the box is like, you know, 1999, October, whatever. It's like, you know, four men changed the history of wrestling. Because you could do a tag team ladder match in the game, which you'd never been able to do before. So, yeah, a lot of hype for this one going in. I was worried at the start because I had not seen this match since way back when in 99. I'm like, shit, have I been desensitized with my, like, you know, weekly fucking TLC matches that there's nothing they can do here to to, to catch my attention? But they certainly do. Needs to be said at the start, the Hardy Boys coming out with the Hardy Boys music, but the Gangrel Fire and Gangrel does not match at at all. Someone's been dicking around on creating entrance mode. Yeah. (laughs) The gimmick of them being the new brood completely doesn't fit that. It doesn't factor at all. No. But it's not even a gimmick. Bar the Gangrel being there, they don't, they're not dressed like Gothic at all. They're dressed like the Hardy Boys. Yeah. It's solely there for Gangrel to have something to do is all it is. It doesn't affect the Hardys at all. And so the winner of this tournament, we should point out as well, the TIT, gets yeah. $100,000 and the managerial services of Terry Runnels. So- Gangrel coming out there at the start. Yeah, with a big old smile saying, <laughs> yeah, go on, guys. Win the, win the tournament and get a, replace, a <laughs> replacement for me. Make me redundant. <laughs> do we have to call it the tit tournament? No, can we call it the Terry? Can we call it like the Bresley Games? <laughs> Fuck <laughs> it, no. Really, Keenan. 
Get out! <laughs> I sentenced you to 20 marrow matches for that one. <laughs> Fucking hell. Crowd are deathly quiet at the start of this one. They don't give these guys any sort of reaction at all. And the first five minutes, you've got really good tag team wrestling going on in the ring. No ladders being used yet. And the crowd are just like arms coupled. Stony face. And I'm kind of like, don't you fucking do this now. Don't you ruin these men's night. Yeah. Like, they get better though. They do. When the, when the ladders oh, come out and they see new stuff, it's vague. It's a different story. While we're talking about this, actually, the, the crowd seemed very Japanese to me because, like, when the ladders come out <laughs> and, they start, and they start getting more into it, you'll notice the crowd, they don't really, like, start screaming and whooping and cheering. What happens is they do, like, a massive spot off ladder and then suddenly everyone starts applauding all it. It's like, really, everyone, really everyone's sitting quietly between these spots, kind of going, what's next yeah because um, they know that something that new is coming and, and then so, you do get that kind of roaring ovation yeah but you don't really break out of silence and suddenly start going yeah well you just actually start they go quiet because they're, yeah. they're going to do something again now yeah. it's it's really it's, awesome it's and they actually get the crowd in the palm of their hands as a result totally. of this Gangrel gets thrown out like right at the start <laughs> he is so redundant the poor lad i'm just going to call it some of these spots that we saw in this match that even now me having seen so many ladder matches over the years these still made me pop. Yeah. Even though this match is 15 years old. Dropkick from the ladder. Amazing. Fucking Wiley Coyote cam in this. Absolutely yeah. amazing. Reverse DDT off the ladder. Jeff the senton bomb onto Christian on the ladder. The leapfrog spot to the outside. I'm seriously, go out of your way to see this match. It is unbelievable. Jim Ross refers to us at the top of the ladder as being a symbolic bag of money. <laughs> <laughs> Throwing ladders at guys while they're climbing. Yeah. Mm. That's cool. That's scary. Because it's kind of like, you know, if I'm just, if you're climbing a ladder and the guy just fucks a ladder full force, like at your hip, like, you know, you, stop I'm, you. my disbelief is certainly suspended, gentlemen. Oh, definitely. You know, because yeah. I'm like, yeah, these guys how are. How do you fucking, fake that? How do you fake that? Uh, the groin dropkick spot, and then they do this spot with Edge Christian where they put Jeff in the ladder and sandwich yeah. him. What I like most about this is that the Hardys did cool shit with the ladders where they were like diving off the ladders and using the ladders to give themselves momentum mm. whereas Edge and Christian used the ladders as weapons, as weapons. Yeah. and you get that then a lot more when the Dudleys get involved with TLC which is that each team has their own set of kinds of moves Yeah, and that's great because it's like no one is stealing anyone's shit it helps them be yeah. more innovative it's like alright you guys do this stuff we do this stuff fucking amazing it's so perfect <laughs> at this stage I was imagining the bulldog after his last match walking back going to the you know the, the four young guys you know, follow that line fucking <laughs> 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 hell you can tell in this match the toll being taken on both teams is very physical they are setting a dangerous precedent for themselves yeah. we're not going to have that chat now obviously that's more for a later day but the ante has been upped so much from the days of Legion of Doom and New Age Outlaws mm. and fucking Ron and Don Harris. Mm. This is a different game entirely. Could make it very hard for yourself. You and this careful. is your tag division now. And yeah. I'm excited. Very really excited. excited. Very. A seesaw spot, which is fucking amazing. Jeff diving on the ladder, the ladder flipping up. I can't see that move about seeing Joey, Joey Mercury. Mercury. Oh, oh, God, yeah. Yeah, for Yeesh. the Armageddon ladder match. Check that out. Joey Mercury, getting his face getting split in twain. One of the most gruesome injuries ever. I couldn't think of any heavy botches in this match and usually no. in a big money in the bank match or a multi-man ladder match I'm usually kind of like alright there's going to be some fuck ups but no especially how game. green these guys are I mean, yeah. they do fairly well well you say green they, I mean, they've, they've been around for ages they've not been on TV they've been on TV for a while but you know they, they, they've given their chance to shine and they fucking take it they win over the crowd and at the start Jerry and JR are just talking about the money and making jokes about Terry and kind of going oh who are these kids and blah 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 and at the end of the match I remember this is the point where I'm kind of like okay they've won even over the cynical announcing team which is 
Jerry's like, it's only 100 grand, guys. Yeah. It's only Terry. Whoa. For Jerry the King Lola to say that. I love that. Yeah. They're kind of like, these guys are, are taking it too far. The ending comes where we have ladder to ladder action. All the fucking guys go up and it's just Jeff who goes from one to the other. Amazing. Like, it looks so simple, but it's actually required a lot of timing. A lot if he'd of have fucked that up, it would have looked awful. He so. fucked it up at WrestleMania 17, didn't yeah. he? Yeah. Show me the money, Matt Hardy, as Jim Ross says. <laughs> Which, you know what, it's an awful botch, but it actually sums up for me, like, what I like the most about this match is they don't know who these guys it's are. It's madness, yeah. Is, is this Matt or Jeff? I don't know, but they're fucking amazing. And yeah. you know what, you will know their names in the next few months. Show me the money, Matt Hardy, the brood win, the managerial services of Terry, and a hundred grand. But more importantly than any of the, the, the symbolic bag of money, or the fucking another shit manager who does not <laughs> fit them at all, because Terry... She's no Lita. No. <laughs> what they won this was the crowd's respect and yeah. everyone backstage. This was voted match of the year during that this time. And, you know, for a year that has Rock and Austin and Mankind and Triple H, these guys stole the show. Amazing. Amazing. Amazing stuff. Really good. Edge and Christian get a standing ovation as well when they stand up afterwards, you know, which, again, that's a great bit of respect. When, yeah. when the losers get cheered just as much, it's brilliant, isn't it? And backstage, Terry necks a bottle of champagne. Yes. Nice. Folly backstage with his book chats with the Hollies. Another heat recap. <laughs> Do you know what it is coming out in a few days in the timeline? It's have a nice day. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. I've talked about this in interviews which I've done. I think this is one of the most important wrestling books ever written. The fact that it gave a lot of average fans like myself who weren't in on the dirt sheets behind the scenes, knowing terminology, faces, heels, how wrestling works. A bit of history, learning about ECW, about WCW. It all came from Mick Foley's book. And not just to say that it's a, it was a great tool for any wrestling fan who wanted to be in the know. It's one of the best wrestling it's books. It's a great read. Or well. one of my favourite books ever, for that matter. I adore it. The gimmick here is that Foley wants to give Rock a copy of his book to read. This becomes a huge storyline point coming up shortly. Has an interaction with the Hollies. And then he goes into the bathroom to like, he thinks The Rock's in there. Has a bit of a chat, slides the book underneath and he goes out and The Rock is there. So it is Val who is in the toilet oh. taking a... And then he blindsides Mankind, beats him up in the bathroom. And then as he's leaving, he says, Thanks for the book, Mink. And just leaves. Mink! <laughs> mink. <laughs> Coming up next. Oh boy, it is time to elevate more of the mid-cards. Val Venus taking on Mankind. Foley in his... I believe in his Foley is good, he mentioned at this time. Knowing that his career was winding down shortly. he had pla Retirement was on the horizon. Yeah. He knew it was coming. He felt that he could use his position to get over some younger guys, namely Al Snow and Val Venus, guys he thought he's viewed as being very talented, but may not necessarily near that main event level mm. or upper mid-card spot. So this is very much Val getting a rub, or as it was meant to be, getting a rub from Mankind. Uh, in the, obviously, This Is Your Life, the segment we've talked about briefly yeah. before, Mankind gave Rock Mr. Rocco. Rock, well, nothing to do with it. 
fucking ridiculous, you know, throws it in the trash, whatever, Val finds it, uses it as a cod piece. Boom, you've got a feud. <laughs> Foley wants Mr. Rocco back at all costs. As much as I disagree with Val and Mick being paired up together, that's funny. I like that that's idea. Right. That's a hell of a way to start a feud. Yeah, like, that's it's funny. good. And it's supposed to show that even without Russo, they've got ideas and they can mm. continue that style of giving everyone a bit of a storyline. Yeah, that's a proper attitude era, that is. Rock's music comes out, he looks particularly grand considering he wrestled a match a few moments ago. Didn't even break a sweat, like... <laughs> Fucking hell, Rock cuts a promo, Chance was the winner of the main event tonight, which is Austin and Triple H. Then Triple H appears from nowhere and sledgehammers The Rock. Yeah. The game now using the sledgehammer as his, like, he's referring himself to as the game and he's got the sledgehammer. This is Triple H He now, is Triple, right? Triple yeah. H now, it's amazing. We get a quick BB Bush sighting as uh, Rock has been taken yeah. to be healed by the medics. Val comes out with the book. Lots of mean heel tactics from Val Venus here. I love the book, he's just coming out and Jim Ross is like, I've only read seven chapters, folk, but it's one of the most engrossing reads I've ever, you know. Put it over, yeah. It's great. But the thing is, obviously, it's not been widespread read yet. It's not been reviewed. All the boys haven't read it, you know. The upper-ups haven't read it, so they don't know if it's good or not. So, what is kind of shitty here is that Jerry really fucking buries the book. Buries the shit out of the book. Jerry accuses Foley of having a ghostwriter, and then Jim Ross goes, he wrote every word that himself. Foley wrote it with his handwritten notebooks, folk. That's how he wrote that book. That's a long book, mm. and he wrote every word by hand. And Jr. like alludes to that, and Jerry goes, "What? Would you read it in crayon? <laughs> Fuck off!" Seriously, the, the amount of hard work that Mick put into that book, and Jerry's just going to bury it. And basically, he's like, "Oh, it's a good job that Valvina's in the toilet because that's the only place that book belongs. You, you, you could use it for toilet paper if you like." What's the fucking title of your autobiography going to be, Jerry Lawler? I don't need any loved ones. I have Coca-Cola merchandise. <laughs> <laughs> Foley's music hits. And it plays. And it plays for so long, I expected Vince Russo to come out and cut a shoot. <laughs> that goddamn politician British bulldog. <laughs> very, very, very basic match between these two. Yep. They brawl outside. Foley just beats up Val for most of the match. He keeps trying to go for Rocco. It's meant to be back and forth, but honestly, Foley, if it's someone like Val, Val has to be dominating him, surely. I mean, yeah. I'm not gonna, the crowd just die a death. They don't make any noise. Silence. It's kind of heartbreaking knowing that this is a real attempt and Foley was really was trying his dangdest to get Val over and the crowd are just not picking up when no. the man is laying down. And some rough spots in this, including a back suplex onto a chair oh, on the outside. Yeah. Foley lands right in the back of his head. The crowd do not make a peep. Nope. We get a mandible claw without Socko from Foley, in which Cherry says, Val's had a lot of things in his mouth, JR. He's used to it. Ew. Okay. Val brings in a chair, gets a Russian leg sweep onto it. Fucking vicious spots. Mm. Then it's like head pound over and over again, like poor Mick concussion Foley. Like, yeah. leave him alone. Val like. is a killer. There's nothing worse than a long, protracted, vicious beatdown that has no heat. Yeah, but it's yeah. not even worth it. Because I'm watching my hero getting killed and no one but me cares. Yeah. I feel like left out, for lack of a better term. The horns start up then. It's funny, the, the match is so boring to the fans that they become capital, capital carnage for the London, yeah. London Arena. Just out of nowhere. Mankind gets a comeback after there's a miss of the money shot. We do a double claw spot where we've got Rocco and Socko, but Val goes for the testicular claw. What am I even fucking saying? And yep. you know, on paper this might seem funny, but when the crowd is silent and you've got Foley with his hand in his man's Awkward mouth, and Val has got the man's dick, and the two men are going, bleh, 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 and the crowd just like 
It's like watching stand-up bomb. Yeah, yeah, it is. It you really know is. Yeah. And uh, Foley, it, you know, his man who's doing stand-up comedy there, you take a fucking cue and kind of go, you know when you have to cut something short and go, let's take this home. Yeah. I'm Mick Foley, good night. You should have dropped it there a long time ago. Val wins when you get like just kind of a double pin spot. Jesus, you two ought to be ashamed of yourselves. Yeah. Val Venus beat Mick Foley with a testicle. And it law. means nothing. What the fuck is going on? This month, is Mick Foley. Month after this, Foley's okay. Like, it also says Foley got taken down a notch mm. but like no a serious blip in your career it, d- it right just there. feels really strange Mick and um, The Rock having these two matches and you know what's funny yeah, as well both of them Bulldog got killed in five minutes Val bet the shit out of Foley for nearly 15 and won and won Val and Bulldog at the end of this are still in the same standing in my mind they're both lower mid card guys yeah. who unfortunately once we have the likes of Taz coming in shortly and the Radicals your, your spots are gone gentlemen yeah, essentially and it's sad to see that you know Val is going to be marginalised quite a bit now and obviously Bulldog is going to be fucking right the fuck off of the main event yeah. but yeah if you, it's not as simple as just putting you with someone there's, there's more to elevating a guy than that post match Mankind gets Rocco and clears off the man who just beat him aka every finish in TNA in 2010 <laughs> the medics medic rock backstage he is all sore and is refusing to go to the hospital alright coming up next Fatal 4-Way, Kane, taking on X to the P to the A to the C, taking on Farouk, taking on Breadshaw. <laughs> this is a weird match. So, Kane and X-Pac had split up. Obviously, Russo left. They kind of put the match together again, but now they're doing the whole one-upsmanship. X-Pac is kind of like, I don't need you, and Kane's like, don't interfere in my business, but it it's just kind of like, Face and face, dick they measuring contest. The idea is, is that Kane is like, oh, you know, you're going to get hurt. X Pac is like, you know, I need you. You know, and then alternately, X Pac is like, I can do it on my own. So you've got the four of these guys in here, X Pac proving he belongs in the land of the giants. We get a recap of Kane being killed by the Acolytes on SmackDown, which was really impressive. The Acolytes double power bombing Kane, mm. really taking it to him. These guys are over strong, and now that Russo, who allegedly did not like them, is gone. Good things are on the horizon for, for for the acolytes, which is nice to see. Bit of a muddle story going into this one. The idea here is that we're trying to make over that Xbox has got a lot of heart. So much so that Jerry Lawler at the start says that Xbox is the cardiac kid, and then says he has an enlarged heart. Ah. Ah, here, come on now. That was funny for a second then, <laughs> Cardiac Kid. Then you have to go and ruin it with that extra little bit on the end. Enlarged heart. And then he's like, during the match, he's like, beat him, beat him so his enlarged heart shrivels to the size of a pea. <laughs> <laughs> what is he, a witch? <laughs> he's, a, he's a Gruntilda from fucking Banjo or something. <laughs> <laughs> That's the most evil thing I've ever <laughs> Fucking cackling away. Unbelievable. We got a big brawl with start. All the big guys are fighting with Kane. Kane hits an Enzu Geary. We got a nice moment when Kane and Xbox face off because it's a four-way, not a tag match. Guys can tag in from any any side of the ring. And well, then we, yeah, I should say it's it's not it's not a tag match. It's a four-way. Four-way, but it's a tag match at the same time because it works on a tag. Rules. It's a four-way that you have to tag into. Yeah, and it's elimination. Yes. Okay. Well, it's, it's a complicated match for Kane and X Pac. Acolytes will happily kick the shit out of them. <laughs> I don't care who we're fighting. And they fucking do. Yeah. I love this because you have Kane and X Pac tag in. It'll be kind of like, 
you gonna do this, bro? And then Farouk and Bradshaw tag in. Don't even blink. Boom, boom, boom. They just go straight at it. They beat the shit. Still out best friends. I love that. J- Jim Ross just says like, well, it's like a typical Saturday night for the acolytes. They love to fight. And now you're getting <laughs> the elements of this now, which we're starting to see on SmackDown. Great thing about SmackDown was that there were a lot more backstage segments and lower card guys were getting chances to do stuff. We were seeing like the acolytes going to bars now, yeah. and it's like the, it started off as like the acolytes going to a bars, and the guys are kind of like, oh, look at these phony wrestlers, bar brawls, like all oh, the acolytes there tough and we're slowly now morphing towards bars cards yes. beer mm, cigars, cigars a door yeah. APA is coming I can't wait I can't fucking wait Close from hell on X-Pac and then we get the X-Factor on Farouk these guys start trading finishers left and right it breaks down X-Pac is so good at selling he gets beat down the majority of this match but he's so believable and he's not like Hogan kind of going you know reaching for the imaginary yeah. line he's just kind of like has a quiet like you know, I can fucking do this. Such an underdog. He's and, brilliant uh, at it. Yeah, it's good because if a guy gets beaten up for most of the match, but you, you can still rally behind him. Road Dog could learn a lot from, yeah, from this, that's is all true. I'm yeah. saying, you know? So we get a hot tag, kinda, to Kane. He tags yes. himself in. He tags himself in, which is kind of fitting because, you know, in Nando's, you have to go over to the counter and get the sauce. <laughs> yourself, they don't bring you the sauce, you have to go and get it. So that's kind of fitting. And uh, still hot. This is a hot sauce tag right here. Well, what I view this as is because, obviously, hot tag is what it seemed like, but obviously, it's not a tag. Match. So this is kind of like, hey, do you want to come over to my house tonight for chicken supper? Like, and you're eating, and like, oh, this is nice chicken dinner. Like, is this Nando's? Yeah. You know? Like, <laughs> uh, steamed clams, like, kind of a, uh, you know, a vibe off this one. Kane eliminates Brad with a choke slam from hell, and then in a real shocker moment, X Pac eliminates Kane with a yeah. real kick off the top rope. Out of nowhere. Amazing. Kane kicks out at three and a half, and it's usually I don't like when guys do that, mm. kick out after three, but it, it's believable with Kane. It's Kane, yeah. And uh, yeah, it makes X Pac seem really legit. Rook attempts a dominator through the table, then we get a quick DDT. It's fucking awesome. Spinebuster. And like Farouk and X Pac are really like heating up here now we get a top rope x-factor which is slightly botched he's still mm. with d-lo quite a bit but it's a little off jim ross with the call he goes for god's sakes x-pac wins <laughs> i really like this match nice decent match. match yeah good, good story x-pac proves he belongs in the land of the giants yeah no i really like that it was a quite a fun match Alrighty, time for our main event it is the World Wrestling Federation Heavyweight Championship on the line. No holes barred. Triple H taking on Stone Cold Steve Austin, who has not wrestled since SummerSlam and is finally getting his title shot. So 
Sometimes I drink a little beer. Sometimes I do a little beer. I like that song. Well, I, I don't. The fucking music video we just watched that. You don't you like the music, you know? Yeah. I, I liked it. I liked the two because he had used two different pieces of music. Yeah. He had like the, the proper song, but the first one just sounded like a cave level from Sonic. <laughs> I think actually, ass music. When anytime we're getting like, that kind of crappy music, someone's pointed out to us that it's because we're for watching VHS rips, and they if it's like licensed music they just replace it with something oh, shitty oh really it's just happened a few times the ones we shot all over that being said you know finding pay-per-view rips, live stream rips impossible it's pretty much impossible I'm sure you can get them but you know we're working with what we've got yeah. and you know what if it's, that's what's on the fucking network and that's what's on an official that's DVD that's what we're reviewing so I'll, I'll say no more that being said a lot happening in this one Triple H has been a monster he did a really cool segment with Jim Ross where he like sat down in the chair and he's like what does Stone Cold think of me and Jim Ross is like I think he thinks you're a piece of trash. You know, and he beats up. This is now then beating up Jim Ross. Mm. This became a recurring thing. Get to Stone Cold by fucking over Jim Ross. Yeah. And everyone's always like, oh, are they burying Jim Ross? And blah, blah, blah. You and I saw Jim Ross in, in Leicester Square doing the, the, you know, the yes. Q&A. And he was like, don't you? He was like, people are always like assuming that anytime I was used in an angle that, you know, uh, it was like me being buried. ribbed or buried. It's like you know what? No, actually, we're in Oklahoma, and it's a good way for the villainous character to get heat than the, the local the story one. With it, yeah. And I'll tell you, as a kid, I love me Jim Ross. I remember this period. I was like, why can't Stone Cold like come back and fight? Because like Jim Ross has been beaten up, and he's Jim Ross's Stone Cold is Jim Ross's friend. And yeah. It was a Austin. He can't show weakness. That's a problem with his character. Austin's never going to be like, I don't know if I can do it tonight. He's not Foley yeah. or like The Rock. He'll rarely be like, I'm hurt. I don't know if I can do this. So having JR there is a great way for them to be like, shit, you know, this guy has gone too far. Yeah, Austin's going to kill him. I don't see how that could be seen as a way, as burying Jim Ross. Because you know the whole he's thing. Not, he's, not, he's not a wrestler. So obviously if he's put against Triple H, he's not going to... He's not going to do well. <laughs> so, like, and it's, it's obviously being used as, 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 as uh, something to better the story. I don't. Uh, I, I, don't I guess it's not I, I just, it that it just, way. It's well. just in my mind. I yeah. don't think you can bury Jim Ross in that way. More than anything, it's an effective. It's an effective mechanic for getting heat. But obviously, like most things, it probably got overused. Yeah. No more than the screw job finish and the ref bump. Jr. getting set on fire by Kane. <laughs> yeah. Oh! Oh! Austin had not wrestled since SummerSlam. And you know what? At this stage, they are running out of excuses. Mm. They were implying that Austin was injured from the post-match attack at SummerSlam. That being said, they very much were kind of like, they're not going to go, Austin's really hurt. He can't go. They're you like, don't say that. Yeah, Austin's biding his time. He hasn't got his shot yet. Oh, you have a shot. Now you don't have a shot. It's like, mate, we know he is hurt. Yeah. Can someone be forward with us here? So yeah, can we talk about snakes now for a little bit? Snake face. We referred to Underforgiven as a snake pay-per-view. Snake view. This is a snake review right here. Yeah. Mm. During the fracas between uh, Triple H and Austin attacking each other, Austin threw Triple H into a room backstage that had a rattlesnake in it, locked the door. Just because you know that's what what happens in wrestling. Yeah. Just... It doesn't actually say if he actually brought the snake in. He just there was a room. There's a snake in it. Oh, I'm gonna use this. But yeah, um, Triple H then came out. We had the the silly face, man without a face, like snake face. Yeah, I was watching Triple H on SmackDown, and mother had her side of the TV covered up. I didn't even know there was a problem with it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Triple H did the whole thing where he's like, oh, this means something means more to Austin than me because I'm not willing to get killed for this. And he went to give the belt back, and then he bait him up, and he ripped it off. I was like, yeah, this was just some Hollywood makeup. Kind of silly, isn't it? Yeah. It's very silly. He must have like been like, 
Obviously, what you think about Triple H in kayfabe terms, the character, he must have been backstage with China one day like, Hey, I got an idea. I'm going to spend two hours in makeup before the show tonight. We're going to punk Steve Austin. <laughs> it's like a prank they pull on him. I hope I don't get sweaty or I'll fall off. Yeah. Pretty much. Again, running out of time and excuses for, for, yeah. for delaying Austin getting his hands in Triple H. Big pop coming in for Austin. Commentators are making mention that now that yeah, Austin has not wrestled in a while. Yeah. Talking about his conditioning, can Austin do it? He looks great. He does actually. Yeah, you wouldn't know he's been off for a while. And I'll be honest, starting this match, knowing that Austin is 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 saying tata for a bit now, I was kind of like, keep my eye open. Is this going to be like WrestleMania 14 with you know Michaels obviously being hurt and sucking through yeah. it? And I was expecting Austin that there would be a no DQ match. I'm thinking, oh, there's going to be a lot of like fucking chicanery and Working around and his injuries. But you know what? For the most part, we get a very fucking competent match. This a really is a regular good match. Steve Austin match yeah. for the most part. Yeah. They start off with a brawl to the outside on this slippery hardwood floor. Someone got fired for what that. What the fuck? Yeah. Laminate flooring yeah. on the stage. Slip- What's going the on? The first thing, Austin, who's got a bad neck and is leaving because of neck injuries soon, and he's running on hardwood floors. It's just, it's just like they've just suddenly gone onto a basketball court. <laughs> yeah. What, who put that there? No, we got a crazy ass brawl nonetheless, and it's not as if they're really like hiding it. It's like a standard. The first half of this match is a standard Austin main event. Then we get head back to the ring. We get this big ref bump and a stunner, and we got no ref. Now it starts to become more of the main event that we're going to be seeing from now on with the Triple H heel, which is a slightly more, maybe a more technically leaning match. Mm. Even though Jim Ross at the start says this is not going to be a technical match, we do get like Triple H picking apart Austin with the leg, working him down, and Austin is like selling like a motherfucker, and it's really, really yeah. buying into that Austin's legs are fucking killing him here. It's great. You rarely see Austin being in jeopardy like this. Yeah, it's such a fucking war. Oh yeah, these yeah. Two guys have. Great back and forth. Really great back and forth. Second stunner attempt. The ref who just got up gets bumped again, Aww. and then Pedigree and Earl Hebner comes out, kick out, and in an amazing spot. Serious shades of Ric Flair in the NWA in the eighties here. Triple H shoves Earl Hebner, and then Hebner shoves him right back. And and Triple H shoves him and Hebner's right in his fucking face yeah. like are you kidding me bro I fucking I'll sell everything you got <laughs> I don't care <laughs> yeah it was really some some people like old school people are like that's cheap heat the heel should not bump for a ref ah no no I, I think, think it's brilliant I you know what it's 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 somewhat realistic though isn't it if you push someone they're gonna push you back and you're gonna you're not just gonna if someone pushes you you're not gonna stand steadfast I yeah. got into wrestling after the screw job so I only really found out about you know about Earl Hebner's role really like it was alluded to in Foley's book but it wasn't explicitly stated until like you know the early, the early 2000s is when the real story came out about you know Michaels and Triple H being in on yeah. and all that stuff so for me I was like kind of like fuck Earl Hebner's an awesome guy and they start using Hebner in storylines when Triple H yeah we got some good stuff come, yeah so him. you know what Hebner is you know what he's a, he's a scoundrel but he's, he's awesome you know yeah Jim Ross so awesome here really helping out Steve Austin putting it over the brawl starts out by side again Triple H starts bleeding and then we get this great comeback from Austin he hits a 10 punch on the ground yeah. and he leathering Massive the punches. shit out of him the size of those punches the match becomes a more in-ring focused affair now which is a shift in the main event styles we're talking about going from that Memphis brawl to the technical ring based style which is like a, two guys in the ring not relying on the crowd brawling not relying on the interference mm. it is kind of becoming more two men in the ring and that for me is a positive definitely not that I didn't like the big crazy brawls or whatever but by the time we had Taker and Austin first blood I'm like I've had my film yeah Yeah. we've seen it all before it gives gives a 
if you, you can still have all the crowd brawling and stuff like that, but you've got this extra little thing that gives variety and it's something you, you, you rarely see at the time. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, with, definitely. With crowd brawling, there's only so much you can do and if it's the only thing you're going to do in a match, then you've seen it all before, really. And particularly so. if multiple matches are going to do it. In one night. You're obviously yeah. going to get more variety if we're sticking in the ring as opposed to, to going out there. But Austin makes his comeback, hits 11 chair shots on Triple H. Oh. I love that, which is the guy who's been worked over just goes ape shit and it's like, oh shit, now Triple H is going to get injured. Yeah. Awesome, awesome moment. Desperation move. Yeah, really cool. The last kind of rallying cry of Steve Austin. Rock appears, clocks Austin with a sledgehammer by mistake, and he's got all his ribs all taped up. The Rock gets pedigree by Triple H, and the Triple H pins the prone Steve Austin. Game set and match. Triple H wins. How f- he just scrapes by. You know what always, as a kid, would kill me is you know when I, you, you don't want to see Triple H win. You want to see Austin win. Yeah. But when Triple H beats him like that, and he didn't even earn the victory. He didn't even hit the move on. Didn't him. even yeah. earn it what always used to kill me is what Dim Ross does right here is when just as the three is going you can hear him go no 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 son of a bitch like he's like got tears in his eyes or something that always got me so riled up as a kid it's like not only have you pissed me off here Triple H you've upset Jim Ross and, <laughs> and you know what I think we had mentioned a few last few pay-per-views are kind of like oh the commentators are a bit off tonight or they seem a little bit too wrapped up in silly you know bickering but you know what Jim Ross was on form tonight really yeah. on top form and this was a great main event and as I said this is the main event which I was kind of going well now Let's see Steve Austin wrestle in this one. Yeah. Looking back now, I don't think it's necessarily a case of Austin is hurt, he cannot wrestle. It was more a case of Austin probably shouldn't wrestle because he probably is going to get more hurt. Yeah. So he wasn't, you know, he was, he was running a big risk in this match probably, mm. but you didn't feel like Austin was being safe. You didn't feel like he was holding back. He certainly didn't come across as a man who was going to have to leave for some time now. But we're setting up now with this, which is our main event for Survivor Series, which is seemingly going to be The Rock versus Steve Austin versus Triple H and that is where we're heading to next how exciting how exciting I'll say no more there it is No Mercy 1999 is in the book so they hardly said No Mercy for my money I really enjoyed this pay-per-view I was very skeptical starting and thinking is this going to be a one match show with that ladder match is it going to live up to my expectations is the main event going to be covering for Austin but I have to say I really enjoyed it what did you guys think uh, I disagree it's not the worst pay-per-view we've ever seen by a long stretch it's it's not bad but I just think there was a lot of problems with it that sort of kept it from feeling like a legit pay-per-view we had good matches for definite I mean China and Jeff Jarrett the, uh, the obviously the tag team ladder match was amazing the, four-way. the main event and the four-way they were all great but just something about the pay-per-view as a whole didn't really seem to tie together to me. The constant cutting back to heat recaps and then you'd get like two interviews backstage back to back and there'd be like long blocks where you weren't getting any wrestling. Do you Not think the worst show ever, but just something about it to me just didn't really feel like a proper pay-per-view. Do you think that the the Rock and Mankind because I mean you've you've mentioned far more matches you thought were good than were bad. Do you think yeah, the Rock and Mankind encounters were They really, really soured, soured it. it, yeah. Really, really soured it. Yeah. Because even though the British Bulldog match was five minutes, like you say you don't want to be seeing that. Even if it was a two-minute match, you don't want to see it because it doesn't belong on the pay-per-view. It yeah, doesn't fit in there. Definitely. Yeah, it's like I say, it's not a bad pay-per-view. Just something about the whole general mix of everything that was going on just didn't quite sit right. Philip, what do you think? I think it says a lot about the pay-per-view that uh, Godfather and Midian had a better match than the Rock and... Uh, <laughs> yeah. And True. I never thought I'd say that sentence. It's um, weird, isn't it? It's a good pay-per-view. It has its faults. And it just feels like there's, there's definitely something missing. I, I don't know what it is. I don't think it's just that Russo's gone. 
but there, there's something at the moment. It's it's a stylistic transition, if you know yeah. what I mean. They are going from not just in the main event and in stories, but across the board from you see from the tag matches to the undercard matches to the main event. They're changing how things are being presented a little bit. Oh, and you were obviously in a couple of months' time, that's going to be sorted. Yeah. It's going to be sorted out, but it just it just felt a little off. Yeah. There's a couple of little things. But overall, I'd say I, I was pleasantly surprised by the pay-per-view. Alrighty, the only thing left to do then, match of the night, MVP, Adam. Obviously the match of the night is the, the old brood versus the new brood. Yes. The, uh, the tag match. That's Amazing. Incredible. Like, And not only is it just because it was an incredible match, we've said everything there is to say about it, I think, but more just because it's the fact of like, oh shit, we're going to get a lot more of this now. This is exciting. This is yeah. you know, just a hint of what's to come. MVP, Steve Austin, easily, just because uh, I mean, there was a lot of people that performed quite well tonight. But I think the point that you made that really uh, sums it up for me is that this could have quite easily been a really depressing Shawn Michaels WrestleMania 14 yeah, match okay. where it's sort of like... You slither into the sunset. Yeah, like. it's sort of like, oh God, no, not only is he leaving, but he's leaving like really in an undignified way here. But no, Steve put on still have a hell of a fucking good match. One of his best. Yeah, no, mm. really, really great match. And it was just, you know, there's nothing undignified about it. He put on a great show. These guys go on to have better matches, but this is a great, this is great. This Definitely. Is great. Billy, Master 9, MVP. Uh, MVP, Triple H. For being yeah. an evil bastard. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he was, a, I really, really enjoyed Triple H's performance um, in the sections in Heat that we kept going back to. <laughs> and, for, and throughout this, you know, attacking The Rock, attacking Vince at the start of the Yes. Mm. Oh, shit, everything. I forgot to mention that. At the he start, attacked Vince. <laughs> he attacked Vince at the start of the main event. Whoops. But, like, it was just, he was just a proper prick tonight. Yeah. I really, really enjoyed that. Proper heel heat. Like, yeah. Hated him as a kid. Uh, match of the night, then. Match of the night. I. See, there's a couple loads of matches I, I really liked in this, and I would be inclined to give it to the uh, ladder match mm-hmm. as well. But I think I'm going to go for the match I enjoyed the most, okay. which was Jeff Jarrett versus John. Yeah. yeah, I think it was the match I enjoyed the fun most. Match. Really fun match. Really enjoyed it. Told a great story. Mm. Yeah, wrapped it up nicely. Kevin, match of the night got to be the ladder match mainly because I was skeptical. Because I mean, you know, WrestleMania 10, Shawn Michaels and Razor. That's like, you know, the the ladder match. I remember distinctly showing, uh, I got the WrestleMania box set as a, you know, when I was like 17 or whatever, all the WrestleManias. Friend of mine, he watched the interesting. I showed him WrestleMania 17 TLC. He's like, oh my God, this is amazing. I had never watched wrestling before. And he was like, have you got any other ladder matches? I'm like, oh yeah. And I showed him WrestleMania 10. He's like, this is fucking boring. Yeah. And I'm like, I was worried that, because you get so desensitized. The standards get set so high. But it's cool you could, to witness a match where the crowd is like whoa you First know time ever we've so seen this. easy that's match tonight for me but i would say special mention to both the main event and also to to china and jeff jarrett good housekeeping man yeah mm. and mvp oh it's i don't want to say ever say split mvp if jeff jarrett didn't hold up vince for money he'd be my mvp yeah no that, that actually sounded i was and gonna say yeah. jeff jarrett but that completely soured it for me knowing that but he didn't so i'm gonna have to go with triple h because you know what it's it's great to see heels with fucking heat. Mm. I hate always, you know, drawing analogies to the modern day product because I don't think it's necessarily fair. It's probably, you know, it's a false equivalence in many regards. Randy but like, Orton. When Randy Orton's music hits, <laughs> do the crowds stand up and boo out of anger or they just kind of go, you know. Or they just go on their phones and start yeah. yeah. This is fucking heel heat. This really is. And for a man who, like, we were complaining about him being mishandled and not given reason and rationale, he's a killer now. Triple H, MVP, easily. So there you go. That's going to do it. No Mercy 1999 in the books. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Attitude Era podcast. It's a very amazing thing happened the other day when we're recording this. This is actually 
one year to the day since the very first tweet I sent out on the Twitter page, therefore yeah. marking our uh, one year anniversary. Have a little something special in mind for the old one year anniversary. We are going to do a Q&A episode. Ask the people on Twitter and Facebook if they're interested. There was a massive, big response to it. So we're it's not in place of a regular episode. We're just going to record it over WrestleMania weekend and release it. So if you have any questions, you want to ask us about you know, the podcast or feelings on different wrestlers, the current product, anything like that, basically like the OSW yeah. Q&A mailbag thing. Even stuff, it's not even wrestling related. You, you want people to ask you about your best of shapes. Oh, uh, yeah, definitely. Ask me about my best of shapes. So the best way to do it is I will put up a thread, a picture, and I'll pin that on the facebook.com forward slash attitude era podcast. You can leave them there if you've got questions. Alternatively, private messages on the Facebook page. We'll get the, the uh, questions there. Send an email to attitudeerapodcast at gmail.com subject line Q&A or questions whatever don't tweet them to us because we will lose them so I would say uh, don't don't tweet them Facebook or email get those questions into us if we've got enough we might have a bit of fun with this and as I said we'll release it over WrestleMania weekend record yeah. it then. it'll be a bit of fun that being said make sure you do follow us on Twitter at AEPodcast Facebook.com forward slash Attitude Era Podcast listening on iTunes make sure you subscribe rate and review we've got some awesome reviews reviews is a great your way of making sure that Google and iTunes know that our podcast is being enjoyed if you leave a rating review it's the best way to help out the show if you're tired of listening and want to do some more looking instead you can go to youtube.com slash podcast. you can see some videos we got up there you can also find us on Vine which is linked to our Twitter account like Kevin mentioned earlier and if you like stuff and things head over to butchermania.com forward slash attitude era podcast we've got some nice little posts up there we're also in calling spots latest issue came out very recently yes got a nice little picture from Adam and a nice little article about Vince Russo from Kevin there and also there's a crossword yes. back, so you have some fun with that oh yeah. man I'm so happy they did a crossword I fucking you know what I did the other day I put on the Earthbane soundtrack and I did the fucking crossword and it was <laughs> Sunday and I had tea and it was brilliant <laughs> callingspots.com make sure you check that one out that's it that's gonna do it for me Kevin me Adam and me Billy and we'll catch you next time on the Attitude Era podcast where we get to grips with Survivor Series 1999.